Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard and, if anything, inspire our community. Finally got some good sound equipment for you guys out there. Sorry about our previous sound equipment. You know, we're trying to record off of one mic with all my music. And I just learned today the difference between stereo and mono. So I'm glad Blue taught me that. And now we're using it. So <laughs> I know having this new equipment is going to be a huge game changer. I feel uh, <clears throat> I feel more confident in what's going on here. The other stuff that you had, it was good. It was a start, but... Um, going back to the talking about like whenever we were going to create a podcast, it was just an idea. And I didn't even think that we were going to be this far into it. Like now we have episodes we're yeah. about to release and it's just coming together. It's kind of crazy that we made, we made the idea become reality. Right. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I'm it's- happy about it. We got some good content. We've already had. Some great people, and I'm sure more people are going to come and want to be on it and tell their stories. That's what I was thinking about today. I was like, I wonder how far it's going to go. I wonder if it's going to last a long time. I wonder if it's going to have good feedback. And I was going through all these things in my head. And it, when you think like that, it almost kind of like makes you a little bit nervous. And and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of get some nerves worked up because uh, going back to what we were saying in the first episode, I hate asking for attention. Yeah. Like, I'll never post selfies of myself at the gym or uh-huh. and, and like hashtag it in beast mode or anything like that <laughs> you know i hate doing that i don't even have snapchat for that reason um but making this podcast i have to like i have to talk to myself and be like well it's just a project it's just something that we're just kind of doing on the side i have to like dumb it down does that make sense like yeah i know I, what you mean i kind of just gotta like it's just something i'm just working on just a little little side gig and i, I put that in my pocket and, and keep it yeah. yeah, just to take some of the pressure off of it. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, but you. I, I feel good. I feel the same way. I've always wanted a podcast. I mean, I definitely wanted it because I did radio, so I definitely always wanted to do radio interviews and all that. Even when I was in seventh grade, did you ever have that on the job training day on Groundhog Day? Did you ever go to that? I did not actually. Well, I don't think so. When I was in seventh grade, I had to go to a, it's called a job shadow day or something like that. But I, I went and worked because I always thought it'd be cool to work in a radio station and be a radio personality, a radio DJ. And I worked on in a radio and that was my first time. And I even knew back then I wanted to have something to do with with radio. So, you know, it's it's dope. I know I, I hope to have maybe a, a radio station in Mescalero someday or but I think this podcast is uh, something good, too. Yeah, for sure. It's it's um. It's, it might not have, like, the best feedback in the beginning. Because, first of all, how many people do you know actually listen to podcasts? It's getting bigger. Everybody I talk to, they everybody I talk to has their genre, though. Like, I was talking to a security guard the other day at the end, and he was like, oh, I listen to this, this every week. And it, it I think everybody has their own that they listen to every... Because most podcasts come out, what, once a week? Yeah. What does Joe Rogan's come out? Once a... Dude, he does, like, three a week. Really? Yeah, yeah. Man, he does a lot. Well, if that's your full-time job, shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that dude, well, that, that dude's an animal. He, he, uh, not only does he do his, like, three episodes a week, he trains, he, he still finds time to work out, he comment, he's a commentator for the UFC, uh, he's, he's got all these things going on, and he does, he does, oh, he still does stand-up. Mm-hmm. He still yet finds time to do that, like, throughout the week. Yeah. And he's just, he's a monster with, with work ethic. And that's, that's something that I, I take a note from, because... When I, when I find, like, my idols and the people I like to look up to, uh-huh. most of the time, I'm looking up to work ethic. Yeah. And, like, um, I heard something on YouTube the other day. Uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels is made by a guy named David Goggins. Uh-huh. And Goggins is, like, he's an ex-Navy um, SEAL. He's the only, I think he's the only, um, sol- only soldier to this day that was a Navy SEAL. He went through... Ranger school, and he went through, I think, like, special forces, but he, uh-huh. he's done, I don't know, he's done all these things, right? He's very accomplished. Yeah. But before he did all these things, he was, I think he was, like, 300 pounds. He was a, oh, wow. he was a big person, really? you know, and he um, decided that he didn't want that to be him and be, be who he was anymore, so he, he turned his life around, and he went and became a Navy SEAL, and that's the biggest thing that... Um, yeah, anyone can ever do with their how, life. How old was he when he when he became a Navy SEAL? I don't I don't know. He had some jobs. He was he was like spraying for roaches and stuff. He's got a whole story. You got to look him up. He's yeah. on YouTube. I'll, I'll send him. I might have already sent you a video with him. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he said something one day and it cu- and it struck me good because uh, he goes, yeah, a lot of people tell me that yo yo David, I can't get the results I want. I'm doing this. I'm I'm working hard. I'm working. I'm putting in the work, and then he said. But uh, the way I respond back to them is, "Yeah, you're, you're working hard, but according to what? Like, what is your in reference to what? What's your reference of hard work? Yeah, what's your yeah? Yeah. So he's like to to that person, their their hard work might be going to the gym like four days a week. That might be hard work. Uh-huh. Like that that might be them busting their tail. Yeah. He's like, but you got to realize like there's people out there who go to the gym twice a day. You know, five days a week, six days a week, no days off. Like there, there are higher. There's higher bars. There's higher standards that you gotta you gotta reference what hard work is to. You know. Yeah. And so he's got. He says like in reference to what? Like what's what's your hard work in reference to? Based on what? Like what? It, and so for me, that's the way I, I try to set my bar. I try to set it really high. It's like I'm I'm working hard. I always think to myself like. It feels hard to me, so I must be working hard. Like, I feel tired. I feel like I don't want to do it anymore. I'm doing this day in and day out. But, in re- and based on what? Like, what have I actually accomplished today? And I start breaking it down. And then I'm, like, trying to put a number on it. Like, could I have done this much more work today? Could I have read this many more pages or done this many more assignments? Could I have you know, studied this subject a little bit harder for a little bit longer? How much minutes do I have watching Netflix? What did I do? You know, so yeah. I always try to like increase my my baseline for what like hard work actually is. You know, what keeps you organized? Do you use any special tool to, to keep you organized with all of everything? I'm not really that organized, and that's like a weakness of mine. One simple thing that I've learned that helped that's helped me is just make is making a list. Make a list and then check it off. What and I do that almost every day. Definitely every workday. I have a list of everything I need, want to get done, and I the, check it off everything during it. So I, I was a huge advocate for lists yeah. for a long time, especially in like in the military. You have to have a, a notebook. Uh-huh. Like you're wrong. I think it might even be this. Is, I've been out for some time. I feel like 
um, like an idiot right now, but I think um, they're in the regulations, you're supposed to have pen and paper on you. Oh, really? It's like AR 670-1 or something like that. You must be physically, you know, you must dress this way, look this way. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's in that regulation, but you're supposed to have something to write with. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, um, you get checked on that all the time. You're supposed to always have pen and paper. You're supposed to always be writing things down. And when I wrote things down like that all the time, I found myself not looking at my lists, mm-hmm. not getting it done. And so I found I found early on that the list and the writing things down don't really help me. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I'm in a big meeting and I, or when I was in the military, I'm, I'm acting like I'm still there. When I was in meetings or big meetings, I would write down all the main points just in case I forgot that I needed to, to work on. But I wouldn't really make it in a list. Yeah. You know? And so... What I had to change, like how I, how I organized what needed to be done, by how I perceived what I wrote down, and so um, the way I organize my my thoughts is by what the goal is. So every day, I I that's something I don't forget is what the goals the goals for the day are, like uh-huh. the main goals. I don't forget them. Yeah, like keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. yeah, I guess in a, in a smaller sense though. Yeah. So like if, um, one day I wake up, I know that um, certain assignments need to be turned in. I need to get an ex- have an exam tomorrow. So like I know as soon as I wake up, so I got to study. I got to get two assignments in for this class. I got to go to Walmart and I got to pick up this for the girls. I got it and I got I know what I know what the goals are for the day. Uh-huh. And so I I just work relentlessly until I get those goals done. You know? Yeah. And I won't refer to the list. I won't write it down. Yeah. The list is useless to me. Oh, really? Yeah, but um, the thing that the thing that keeps me re- um, going on that um, thought process though is that I feel unaccomplished. I feel I feel incomplete, like inside, uh-huh. where I can't even sit down until I know everything's done. So, like, if I complete everything and I'm sitting, I'm chilling on the couch at like eight at eight o'clock at night. Yeah, it feels wrong because I'm like I still got time on my hands. What am I not? doing oh I see. so i start checking all my things i start so i do a little back check at the end of the night where i i scroll through all my assignments that were supposed to, i check all the due dates then i make sure everything around the house is cool you know everybody's fed and i have to do a little spot check to make sure everything really is done yeah a lot of the times i find something isn't really? and i'm like oh shoot good thing i did my little my little spot checks <laughs> i think fi- i figure it out you know i get it done yeah, but that, I I don't know. I, that was probably a bad description of how saying I'm organized. I'm not organized. I'm oh, really? very unorganized. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not an organized person. But you know what's crazy is I like to have things organized around me. Uh-huh. So with the list thing, I won't do you know, uh-huh. as I should. But I like to have my house like tidied up. I like yeah. to have things where they're supposed to go. You know, I, if I could. I'd outline everything in my house with a marker so I could put, like, this goes here <laughs> that'd be tacky but you know I like where, when things have their place which yeah. is impossible with kids it's, it's so impossible I clean up like three times a day and they just come dump their toys right back <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah I don't lists I'm not a fan of I somehow get everything done yeah for me they work I think that, that's why we have kind of like opposite you know, like we're, that's what makes us different. Yeah. But yeah, like for me, that really helped me out, especially when I'm at work. I make a list and this, I make a rule, especially like on Mondays through Tuesday, Mondays through Thursdays. I, I'm not gonna leave until everything's done. I got everything done. So yeah. that's good. that's good. 
The uh, <clears throat> and I learned that from Bob Proctor. That's one of the guys that I I read a lot of his books. Yeah, Bob yeah, I've, I've heard of Bob Proctor. Yeah, and the, one of the things that he tells me, and or one of the things he says on his uh, a lot is um, if if it doesn't scare you and excite you at the same time, then you're on the wrong path. If you know you're on the right path, it's gonna scare and excite you at the same time. And that's what it kind of does with this podcast, you know. It excites me because, man, we can get a lot of stuff done. We can uh, have people from Mescalero shine. We can uh, have them tell their stories and inspire people. And then it, it, it kind of scares me, like, man, but what if what if this happens? What if that happens? Or this and that, you know. So then I know I'm on the right path. You know? What if everybody hates you? <laughs> right? If everyone thinks you're a loser. <laughs> no, it's fine. I uh, Speaking of, of guests, you know, for... Uh, I guess the listeners might be wondering, like, who, who are we recording now? There's there's no guests this this week. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. Um, we bought some new equipment. We wanted to set it up. We wanted to make sure everything works. Didn't want to have the pressure of a guest in our lap, you know. And, and so it was a good thing that we didn't have one today. There was so much going on, especially big topic with the boys. Playing. Oh, boys and, basketball yeah. game, yeah. Messia Valley pulling it out with one point, man. That's I, awesome. Congratulations to them. Oh, man. And did. the girls. And the girls. They played yesterday. I couldn't go to the girls um, at school. and Well, I believe they won by, it was 70-something to 50-something. So they won. They they did real good. So. Yeah, and they're both doing so good. I'm so yeah. happy. Like, I wish I could express like how I really feel on the inside. I want to see them win so bad, you know. And I might not get to make it to all the games and stuff because I'm I'm still in school and I just can't skip out all the time. But yeah, um, what'd you say the crowd was like? It was like eighty percent mescaline. Dude, fans? it seemed like it. So the way Messia Valley works is uh, it's got one side of bleachers. Yeah, and uh, that whole side is dedicated to both home and away. And it seemed like it was like thirty percent <laughs> Messia Valley. And like 70% Mescalero <laughs> fans. It That's was awesome. so cool, man. It made me so happy. I haven't, honestly, like, on a, I haven't felt that happy about, like, what my people are doing. I haven't felt this happy in a long time. Yeah. I'm truly happy, like, deep down happy. I, was, I felt pure happiness today. Watching the boys play like that uh-huh. and knowing our girls already did it. Yeah. Going into this game, I'm like, ooh, if, if our boys seal the deal, I'm going to be so excited. And um, I'm sitting by my boy Nog, um, and Nog's he's more excited than I. I couldn't be as excited. He, he's a happy guy. He's always yeah. yelling, and, and he was jumping out of the stands. People were jumping. Everyone was yelling. The, the gym was rocking, dude. The energy in there was was insane. It was like, dude, that was the most exciting event I've been to in a long time. Really, I was so invested into the game emotionally. And the game ex- itself was exciting. You don't even need to be a basketball fan to appreciate that game. Um, they're going back and forth, back and forth, and and they won by one point. They won by one point. Who made the winning shot? Yeah, um, I don't remember who made the winning shot. I, I keep having to ask for his name. What was his number? Uh, number twenty-four. All right. Yeah, I, I was keep. I think that's Kobe Bryant's number. Right? I know, right? That's dope. I think that was like Terrence Roach's son or something like that. Oh yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I could be wrong in that. Somebody might be yelling at me. Or George? Yeah, no, it wasn't. No? I know. I know who George is. Yeah. His. I think his son's um, his name's actually George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but 
That's um, well, congratulations to you, number 24, man. Yeah, he, he ran in there yeah. and did a crazy layup, and it went off the backboard, and we're one by one. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> and not to mention that that wasn't the only big... That, of course, that's the game winner, but we had a lot of big moments in the game where uh-huh. uh, we would get a big steal and break down and, you know, do, do your fast break down the court, and, like, there would there'd be, like, no-look passes for a sweet finish and a foul, and... Um, and dudes that weren't shooting threes in the game were were shooting. Uh, what uh, is his name? Duncan. I told you. Yeah, Duncan. He wouldn't shoot. He wouldn't shoot any any threes for the whole game. Uh-huh. And then towards the end, when we really need it, he freaking nails a three. Like, and not even just like in front of the goal three. He shoots like a side three point shot. Like from shooting, he has no backboard to use. He just he nails it. It was incredible, man. Just. Oh my! I wish I could just hold on to that feeling, and I wish it would never fade away, man. It was, man. I, that's I've never in my life wanted to like cry over a game, what? and I was like wanting to cry. Like I was so happy. I was yelling. Mm-hmm. I had my daughter one arm. We were like standing up, and I was like jerking her around just from the excitement. <laughs> and uh, my my voice still almost hurts from yelling. Just so happy, man. And I tell you, that's like probably, man. I'm so excited for these boys and these girls. They're going out. They're going out to to represent Mescalero. They're making it far, man. That's that's the first time in in, in Mescalero history we got that district championship, dude. Yeah. Do they both the, go to Albuquerque? Uh, yeah. They both. You know. Yeah. I believe they're both going to Albuquerque. I haven't been like following like what the bracket and everything looks like. Yeah. But, um, I just keep asking my friends like, hey, what's next? What's next? The uh, that that game though, man. I tell you, if you if you were there, I wish you could have been there. Like, if you weren't there, like this is this is the time whenever someone's like. You had to have been there, man. Yeah. You missed it, man. Like, you know, whenever, like, y- your friends have, like, the best night of their life, and yeah. the next day you miss out because of something there. Dude, you had to have been there. Like, this was that <laughs> This was that moment, dude. It was great. Wow. It was so amazing, man. Uh, I'm glad to have just, just witnessed that, man. Just our community just thriving, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and this in this game, too, what was cool about it is there was a, a lady from Mesilla Valley sitting in front of me, uh-huh. and she was like, you know what? Like, I don't even care... I, I mean, I care who wins, I guess, because I'm from Mesilla Valley. She's like, but I'm just glad I'm watching a good game. Your fans aren't being, um, like, being mean or rude today. She's like, I'm right with there with you guys. You know, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, and um, she was such a good fan about everything. She was such a good sport. You know, she was like, you know, I'm here. I just want to see a good game. And I was like, that's that's good stuff. You know, yeah. like, there's good people out there. You know, I watched a game there. Uh, a few weeks ago, whenever Mescalero actually lost by one point, and I kind of felt like, oh man, we we don't have too great of fans, man. Like our fans are ruthless in that game. <laughs> really? I don't know if it was just that day, uh-huh. but I just felt like, whoa, like you guys. <laughs> what do you mean ruthless? Like they were just ye- yelling anything and everything they could think oh, of from man. the stands, man. To especially well, that's Riz, man. Yeah. That's the Riz. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty brutal. And and this game, um, for some reason, it, it seemed like um, there wasn't. There wasn't really a negativity there. Everybody yeah. was just chanting for the Chiefs, like, just dude, it was awesome. It was it was all it was all positive stuff. It was all just good vibes, man. And uh, I tell you what, like like I was saying earlier, I just I, I haven't been that excited in a long time. That's cool. Man. Congratulations to those boys, man. They yeah, played definitely. Great. We gotta get one of them on the podcast and ask them like what's going through their mind when they played that. I would love that to. Game, man. Maybe maybe one whoever's not shy. A, a guy and a girl from each team just to talk a little bit about it. I know. That'll be dope. We get a nomination. Like maybe somebody can uh, can hit yeah. us up. We gotta we gotta um, 
finish setting up some of these platforms that people can reach us on. So um, when we release, you know, I think we're going to have to release a few episodes at a time so we can get caught up with everything. How uh, many do we have so far? Like, th this is the fourth one? Third? Fourth or fifth? One, two. I think this is the fourth. Yeah. 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 It's going good. Like I was saying earlier, I'm trying to just keep it in my head. as like, this is just a little side project that we're doing. Yeah. See where it goes. See where see where it takes us. Um, like I, um, what was what's interesting as this thing keeps developing, as I I told you before a few times already, uh, that me and you are like just extreme opposites of each other. Yeah. And I think that's what's making everything sound sound good. Yeah. You got you got a different perspective of things that I I don't. You know, I, I see it a different way. You might see it a different way. And, yeah. Um, you're wearing a, a football jersey. Um, <laughs> you're wearing some, some, you know, some basketball shoes. I was wearing some regular jeans and uh, cowboy boots out to, yep. to dinner. We're just different people. Yep. But I think that's going to be good. I think it's going to be good for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you might have a little bit different input. We got both sides of the best of both Sides of the res, maybe, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I grew up on the Palmer Carrizo side. You grew up... Well, you, what side you grew up on? Actually, I kind of moved around a lot. Yeah. I, I lived all over. I grew up... When I was from like... I don't know. I think I lived in Old Ladies Town for uh, just a little bit of when I was a baby. Uh -huh. I don't know how long. Uh, but I remember most of my childhood I spent in Pena. Oh, really? Yeah, until I was eight years old. I think it was eight or ten. And then I moved down to Seaside. Uh -huh. um, I moved in with my best friend for a little while, Nog. Yeah. Um, he lived with him and his mom. And then I moved in to... I, I spent a lot of time in Head Springs. I lived in Head Springs. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I so just, you've been all over the res, huh? Yeah, all over the, all over the res. Nice. I got a little bit of a history, you know. Which is why I... I uh, why I'm kind of promoting change. I think for me, change is a huge topic. Uh -huh. uh, the way I grew up then, I didn't. I, all, all I knew is I wanted to be like my uncle Gabe. Like he's my everything. You know, yeah. as far as like male role models go, like he taught me so many good things about life. He taught me how to work hard. Um, taught me about honesty. Um, he taught me never be afraid. Like that was always like. He always drilled that into me. Don't be afraid of anything or anyone. Uh -huh. uh, he taught me values, right? And But he always told me, like, don't just don't do what I do. He's I, I don't live a good life, but I'm trying to teach you to be better. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do is just be better from it. But at the same time, like, I didn't want to listen to him. Like, I wanted to be him, like, all the way to the fullest. Like, But he, he grew up in a different time. Uh -huh. I, I think the reservation has... Um, like generations of people right yeah and so that his generation i kind of i kind of feel like was a really rough generation definitely all of his friends yep. and all of the people in that age group kind of all had the same mentality did he go to boarding school at all he went to santa fe for a little while yeah a lot yeah. of our like my, my dad went to boarding school and i know a lot of people from the res went to boarding school and they were treated they don't even. I don't even think to them they seem like they were treated bad. My dad was like, "Yeah, it was a good, it was a good thing." But you know, when they had to, when they first win, they have to cut their hair. They weren't allowed to speak their language. If they would, if they would be bad, they would, they would whip them. They would, they would actually whip them. You know, that's like yeah. stuff nowadays. There's child abuse. So our people were treated like bad till this till this day, and they they had it rough. You know? Yeah, and um, 
Well, I, I can't. I don't really don't know all his school history. I, I, he spent the majority of his time in Tularosa. Yeah, yeah. He graduated Tularosa, and he was a rough dude. Like he's a he's a man. Yeah, he was a, a diesel mechanic. Um, yeah. He wanted to be a boxer. He trained to be a boxer for a long time. He was a power lifter before it was really a thing. Um, he fought all the time, like uh-huh. just notorious for fighting. And but when I would go out with him, that was like a normal thing. Yeah. Um, guys disagree on something. Guys fight. Yeah. And it seemed like it wasn't just him, like looking for fights. It kind of I saw a lot of other men challenge him. Like they didn't like his tone. Yeah. And he they were just fighting all. And I saw a lot of fighting growing up. And when we'd leave situations like that, like he'd always like try to leave, <laughs> leave with a lesson, and he exposed me to a lot. And it was neat because. I got to see that rough, gritty side of life uh-huh. and learn from it, you know. And he always told me, he said, don't do what I do. Don't be like me. This is not... And he would always tell me the things that he liked in me that I didn't do. And he um, highlighted it. He would say, you know, I like I like hanging out with you because you, you always know how to step back from a situation yeah. and, and assess it. You don't jump into things. And um, he's, I need to be more like you. And, and when he would tell me what those things he liked about me, it would uh, kind of solidify that that um, way of thinking that I had, uh-huh. and it would make it more concrete. Because I wanted to make him happy, and I wanted to make him proud, and be that person that he liked. Yeah. And uh, he was kind of like the final touch to me being raised, because um, my my mom raised me with like you know the the main core values of a person. You know, she always told me like, don't ever steal, don't ever beat women. Uh-huh. Um, don't like she, she taught me all these things. I always tell the truth. God's always watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, we never really, uh, got along like 100%, like, uh, when I was growing up. Um, but whenever I moved in with my uncle Gabe, he was the cherry on top as far as raising me goes. Yeah. And, um, he always told me that he didn't want me to go down that path and do what he did and be what he was. He said there was a better life out there for me. But I, like I was saying before, I wanted to be him. Yeah. I wanted to live exactly that life. I thought he was the coolest thing in the world to me. And, and I wanted to wear his hats. I wanted to wear the jackets he wore. I wanted to go to parties like he went to parties. And I wanted to beat up people like he beat up people. <laughs> I wanted to be as strong as him. Uh-huh. And, and um, so when I, left, when I left his house and I started growing up and, and trying to be that person... It was like a lot of forced results. I was really forcing myself to be it, be that. Yeah. And um, I left for the army, and I kind of had to learn a different way of living, and, and I grew up. Yeah. Um, as I was in there, though, I realized, like, that's not me. You know, I really don't want to be that guy. You know, I, I, I want to be my own person. Yeah. I, wanna, I need to change my life. I need to do what he always told me to do from day one. I needed yeah. to just... Be a good person. Don't look for the fights. Don't don't be out drinking all the time. He always told me that because he has a history with alcohol. Uh-huh. And he always told me, he's like, you know, I drink all this alcohol, but I don't ever want you to drink like this. Yeah. He's like, this, this is awful. This will ruin your life, he always told me. Uh-huh. And um, I never I never stuck to alcohol. I always listened to that, like, one thing. and um, I took away a lot of things from him. Like, he, um, he just helped... He helped me become a... He was always teaching even when I wasn't around him. Because all those old lessons that he instilled in me as a, as a teenager that he really wanted me to embrace that I didn't want to embrace because I wanted to be like him. 
Yeah. All of those lessons later came out when I was maturing. Uh-huh. And then I actually adapted to it. And now I actually feel like uh, a totally different person than before I left the military. Yeah. That's awesome. I found who I want to be. And I matured. Um, and I look. it sucks because I, I, I wish I had done it sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I had to leave Mescalero to What to age grow. was it? Was it about 25? Um, yeah, maybe about 24. 24? 24? Yeah. Um, I, it didn't, I didn't just wake up one day and I was like, oh, I'm a different person. You uh-huh. know, and, uh, uh, I think it was like a long, painful process of being alone, being yeah. surrounded by other people. And eventually, I had to make friends, and the, the friends that I made were people I looked up to. Yeah. I was surrounding myself with people I thought that were just great people, and uh-huh. all of their personalities rubbed off on me, and I took what I liked about their personalities, and um, I just started becoming something different, you know? Yeah. I was exposed to so much different, so many different things that um, I think it just changed me, you know? Yeah. And then I realized, like, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is, I, I love this person, you know? I now, ever since I recognized it, that was the thing was having to, was that I recognized the change. Yeah. Um, recognizing the change in, in myself helped me blossom, like, a lot better. Because mm-hmm. uh, then I was able to capitalize on it after I recognized it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, I, I am changing. I need to be, I'm becoming better. I need, I need to, um, make the best of this and grow and so um here i am today you know just i just keep trying to grow and i wish i could just hit a button and forget the past ever happened but i can't <laughs> so i just gotta like just live with it and try to live for tomorrow you know yeah i feel you doesn't your uncle that's your uncle right gabe yeah doesn't he have some movement now called like it was like a some kind of sober thing that they're doing i, I think I've, mm. I've been seeing something like that like he's he's doing some kind of sober He's he, he had to give up alcohol, or yeah. there was no other option, like or there was just death, you know. Yeah. Because he ended up in the hospital, and we almost lost him for a little bit, uh-huh. and he did it. He came through, and he's got a lot of children that he loves, and he loves to be around, and that love to have him around, and um, it was it's kind of crazy because when I was a kid, he didn't like little kids, <laughs> like he didn't really want little kids around, uh-huh. like um, he would do it in little spurts. Like he just had, he didn't have the patience for it because in his lifestyle, he always had so many, he was always surrounded by so many things that couldn't involve children, you know? Yeah. Like even if he was outside, he was laying under a diesel truck and there's, the kids couldn't be there. When he was inside, he was playing pool. He was trying to concentrate and kids couldn't be there or he was trying to draw and kids would ruin the, 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 the artwork. And yeah. so he was involved in so many things that like, like little kids just would get in the way of. And so we couldn't like always be bringing, like when I was bringing over my little brother, Anthony, uh-huh. Anthony was a firecracker from the day from day one <laughs> from when he, the day he was born, uh-huh. and him Gabe would say, you know, I, I love Popeye. His nickname was Popeye. Uh-huh. I love Popeye, but just bring him over for a little bit because I gotta get I gotta get some work done, and and that's how he always was. He he was kind of like he'd give you the uh, attention that you know he felt like he could give at the time, but yeah, when it's time to work, he had to get back to work. Now he's surrounded um, by other children. <laughs> Uh, from his wife's side, and they they got a little grip on his on his heart, and he's um he always has kids around, yeah. and I always think it's funny. I'm like, man, I remember the old days when <laughs> you wouldn't let any little kids come around the house, but um so yeah, he's I think he's a uh, he's attached to 
his his grandchildren and that's good yeah so he has to do it he has to stay sober and be he's doing a good job why do you think our people struggle so much with alcohol i've heard many different theories on it um i've heard like there's a all the way from things like there's a lobe behind our ear that doesn't exist are you yeah yeah it was a little read that i did one time and that lobe helps process alcohol or like our perception of it or something uh-huh. like that. And it's it's like responsible for addiction. Um, I could be butchering that all up, but I didn't believe it. So that's why. One thing I heard was uh, whenever they put us on reservations, when they put our people on reservations, they uh, were giving them rations, you know. And they were giving them, they, one of the things they would give them was actually whiskey. Yeah. They would give it them for free and, and they just got addicted to it since then. And the people... The white people at the time, I guess, were like, you know, give them this and just let them kill themselves off so they won't even be here no more. I heard that. Yeah. Um, and it just goes down like generations. To, like, you, they got used to being alcoholics, so then they pass it to their kids and it's generation, generation, generation. And, I but, heard. Like Ish said, you know, we're still here. You know, We're not yeah. supposed to be here, but we're still here. Right. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I heard a, a whole number of things that it could be, but um, I don't know if I want to like butcher like any of like, some of the readings that I've done and stuff off the top of my head. But um, it might be genetic, you know? Like, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of studies behind it if it's genetics. And uh, I did a... I actually had to read a study for school about Native Americans and alcohol. And there was some genetic um, issues in there. Uh-huh. The way we process alcohol and the way it affects us. Um, apparently, it affects us differently. Um, but... Yeah, I have some friends who, uh, native friends who, uh, they can't even drink. They, uh, they have one sip, they end up black, they end up wanting to black out and they want to drink crazy style, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I've, yeah, I've seen a whole, I have a lot of experiences with alcohol and, um, it seems like my, all my youth is just surrounded by, by alcohol or wherever I live. All my friends were drinking it. Yeah. Um, my uncle Gabe, he's just, oh, he always drank and. Mm, it was around my mom drink but not too much um i don't remember her drinking all the time um but yeah i just seen it everywhere you know living in all those uh neighborhoods living in pena yeah living in seaside living in in flats for a while just seeing like it's everywhere and yeah but the way i looked at it um so people when I was in the army used to ask me like why are native americans such alcoholics Uh even like um, other races knew it like that didn't even know Native Americans it's just a stereotype but I think the perception on alcoholism for for us is a little bit easier to see because we're one group of people that yeah. live on a reservation and it's easier to see the statistics there you can easily see what's happening when we're all focused like that and so I, I told him, I said, uh, I, him, uh, there's a, there's a guy I used to talk to about this, uh-huh. but I told my friend, I was like, look, if we would, if we took 5,000 white people, then we put you in one area, I bet you we can start to see like different pandemics, um, throughout your, your little race too. Everybody has, every race has alcoholics. Yeah. Every race deals with drugs. Every race deals with all these, all these issues, but. It's just easier to see it with us because, like I said, we're so focused. Yeah. It's, it's easy to see the study group, you know. I don't think, like, 
all of us are all drunks. Yep. You know, there's just when you see it, it's easier to recognize on the reservation. We're yeah, just, we're just a smaller group of people. That's true. Because there's so many great things that people do. That's you know, like uh, mescalero red hats. I just been learning about that. You've heard of the mescalero red hats? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I wanted to be when I was growing up. I wanted to be a red hat, man. There's so much pride in that. Well, I guess in the '60s, what's do you know the whole story about the mescalero red hats? No, it's it's hazy. They were the I don't know the first. I got we got to get an older person to talk about it. But from what I understand, they were the first firefighters, like in the best firefighters in the nation at the time, and. Uh, the mescalero red, like they made history, and it'd probably be good to have somebody know. I know that knows that, about it. Talk about it. There's um, I, I read a little, uh, it was like a little paragraph underneath a picture of the the red hats. Yeah, and it had like a little description of it, and that, that that's like the elite group, like of back in the day. Like yeah, yeah. We if, if there's anyone out there listening to this that knows one, yeah, send them this way. We need we need to talk to those guys about that those experiences, man. Um, and I'm happy that the uh, Smoky Bees is actually changing the name to the Red Hat Grill. Oh, really? So they're going to honor that's them, awesome. and they're going to put all the pictures in there, you know. So that's, that's cool. That's and then cool. we had, um, oh, no, I said I wanted to be this when I was growing up. It wasn't a Red Hat. It was a Hot Shot. Yeah. Isn't wanted, that the same thing? Uh, or, no, they're, well, they're different, or, right? I don't know. They were actually know. called the Red Hats yeah. whenever the time you're talking about. Yeah. See, we're that's, butchering it. We got Yeah, we have to have somebody on here that knows, knows yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the... Uh, the hot shots were, for us, they were still yet pretty elite. Like when I was a teenager, they were they were a good group of firefighters that just uh-huh. went all over. And um, when I talked to other people like around New Mexico that I met, and that's usually something that they bring up is like, oh yeah, you guys um, used to have the hot shots, you know? Like people remember it. People remember it. Like when they're not even from Mescalero. Really. And I I kind of get. Freaked out, but yeah, yeah, we, you know, but we don't have the hot shots anymore. They, they took them, you know, they disbanded that. But so, what is it now? What is our? I don't know. I don't know how it works. Hmm. Yeah, we're gonna have to look that up. Yeah. That's uh, whenever I left home and I joined the military. That's like something that faded for me. Is like all these little things I was so familiar with. Yeah, and now it's always it's it's like the information's there, but it's all like I need to connect the dots a little bit better and refresh my memory. You know. Yeah. Um, our culture is so rich and unique, especially like even Geronimo. If you go, I guarantee you, you Google who was the last Native American to surrender in history, and Geronimo would pop up. Yeah, you yeah. know, and he's part of us. And and also another thing is the mountain, Sierra Blanca Mountain. Not too many people, especially like outsiders, know about that chief chief face oh yeah you know, yeah that that's on there and uh I, I always love explaining it to guests that go to the end you know the the little story behind it i, I wish we can get somebody to talk about the actual story because i want to get it wrong but you know a lot of people don't even recognize you can see it perfect now that the snow's melting but you can see the chief <laughs> yeah. face. yeah yeah that's sweet um whenever i don't remember when it was first pointed out to me but like i was saying like i left home and i forgot about these things I forgot about about the chief head. Yeah. And uh, we were driving back through the highway and I was like, Oh look, you can see the chief head good and I looked I looked up at it and it just like hit me. I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, the chief, look at it and I was yeah. like relearning about it, you know. Um uh, my memory is so uh shoddy because well, I don't know why. I don't know why my memory is shoddy. Uh, uh, my wife's always telling me she was like you crammed so many new things into your brain that it like erased all the other <laughs> memories that yeah. that it could just to fit, you know. That's funny because I am the opposite. I can remember things from when I was like four, or three years old. 
I re- I have like a crazy old memory. Dude. I can remember all kinds of stuff. I literally don't remember what I ate yesterday for breakfast. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, fam- my family and friends trip out on me because they will a- they will ask me about something. I could- I remember the year. I remember what people were wearing. I remember like. I remember on our childhood exactly how our clock looked in our kitchen. I just remember all kinds of crazy stuff, like detail. I know, I never wanted to admit that I was bad with memory because I felt like if I admitted that, uh, I would become that, and that like it would be a crutch, and or it would be um, it would like be something that I instilled in myself, and I uh, made it a reality, you know. So, but after you know, now that I'm about to be thirty, yeah. I started admitting, you know, that I'm just not good at remembering things. But um, I think I always kind of knew it because now when I have when I learn new subjects and when I learn how to do something new, I have to learn every little detail about it and I have to learn it well. Yeah. So I can it can stick with me, and um, that's that's one of the things I talk to you about is like obsession. Yeah. Um, I got to get obsessed with whatever I'm learning for a little bit and just and just let it consume me so uh-huh. I can become good at whatever it is that I'm studying. And that's the way it is with school. And the problem with me being in college is that it's fast paced, like the degree that I'm pursuing. Yeah. A lot of the subjects are fast paced and I don't like that. I like taking my time and reading every single little detail and knowing every little detail about what's going on. Yeah. So it can be stuck ingrained into me. You know, a lot of my friends that I'm in, um, in class with, they'll sit through the lecture kind of like half pay attention. I can Uh see they're looking at their phone. Um, they're, Playing a game, I saw this dude playing a game, uh, making us pout, making us boggle back and forth with his mouse <laughs> during oh, class. Yeah, during class, <laughs> that would be me. The instructor couldn't <laughs> see it, and yeah. I was sitting there trying to absorb every word, like trying to take notes, trying to take pictures yeah. of his slides with my phone, yeah. so I could keep it with me after class. Like, and I was like, "Why?" The dude's a genius too. He uh-huh. just remembers it. He remembers all, and that's oh. that's the way a lot of the the students are that I'm in, in school with, and it sucks because I don't learn like that, but. When I learn something, I I have to I become the best at it. Yeah, that's just the way I am. If I if I know it and I'm gonna learn it, I'm gonna be really good at it. Yeah, that's the way I've been my entire life. Uh, with basketball, it took me a long time to get good at it. But when I got good at it, I got really good at it. With uh, football, same way. With lifting weights, like there's there I I ran with that. Um, the the army, I had to be a soldier. I was the best soldier you could ask for. Like. Yeah. When I was getting out, people were like, "Dude, you were the perfect soldier. Why are you getting out? You you're always there. You're always trying to do good." Uh-huh. And it's just like because whatever I'm doing, I have to be good at. You know? Yeah. But this is the way I learn things. I have to. I learn in a different way. That's a good way to be. I remember that reminds me of a Stone Cold. I remember he said something in one of his interviews. He said, "Even if I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's, I want to be the best McDonald's burger flipper there is." Dude, yeah. yes, yes, so. that drives me. When I bartend. Same mentality. I need yeah. to be the best bartender, have the best social skills, have the best conversation. Yeah. I need to be the nicest one at the bar because people are paying yep. to come to our resort to come, you know, they're 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 paying for our roads, they're paying for our houses, yep. they're paying for all the funding like for our schools, like our tribe is like literally mm-hmm. depending on that resort. And so I feel like it's not only do I want to be the best at it because I have to be the best at everything. I want to be the best at it because this is like our reservation depends on this, you know. But um, going back to what we were saying today, like it sucks because a lot of the servers and like they're not very nice Uh at the resort. And it's it's hard and it's 
And sometimes it gets, um, like, it drags on a little long. Uh-huh. But, you know, you got there needs to be, like, that good supervisor that's like, hey, tighten it up, yeah. tighten it up. And it happens. Uh, where I work at the Tap House, everyone seems to be doing, doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, pretty nice. But sometimes, like, I feel like people have a bad day. You can't, you can't let it show. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I, I, I remember is um, it's like every three months we would have a refresher course to re- the hospitality. I used to work in the training department. And I learned so much there, but we had this class called Being Professionals, Not for Amateurs. And it just basically taught you about hospitality. It taught you about how to get along with your coworkers. And it taught you, like, the values you need every day. And I think that, uh, like, you need that every three months just a reminder, you know, because yeah. uh, the average person will slack off. And it's almost like going to church, I guess. Like, the people that go to church, in order to be a good, if they start to shy away from it, They'll start sinning again, I guess. So yeah, that's kind of a weird example, but that's how it was. That's how that's how it is, you know. In the I wish hospitality so. industry. Like I don't think like all of our, all of our servers and stuff are like necessarily like rude, but I don't think that everybody is doing the best that they can to be extremely nice or be like um, provide like excellent service. Uh-huh. You know, it, I, sometimes I I do see it like when I'm like walking through. I see a server that looks tired or just whatever. Like you can't let that show when you're in that yeah. that type of service industry. And that's where I I try to thrive is like when I, when I'm bartending there, I try to just no matter if I'm tired or if I feel sick or if I just don't want to see people that day, uh-huh. do my best just to provide like the best customer service. You know. Yeah. And just there's nights though, like you like I was saying, I'm, maybe I'm not on my game. You know. Yeah, but it's it's hard. It's hard. serving the serving industry is so difficult. Uh-huh. People have no idea. Whenever I got out of the military and I needed a job to help me get by between semesters, first place I went, of course, is the inn. And you know, of course, um, I found the help that I needed, and uh, my supervisors are pretty supportive of me going to college. You know, they want to they want to see their travel members succeed and everything. So, uh, but anyway. I was like thinking bartending would be so cool to do. I always wanted to do it. I'm going to give it a shot while I have a chance. Yeah. And I went in and I tried it and I didn't realize how hard it is. And this is coming from a guy who was in the infantry for the 82nd Airborne <laughs> Division. Um, this It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Um, it's hard to deal with people. It's mm-hmm. hard to remember all the drinks under pressure and make everything, make everyone happy. Yeah. You just can't, man. The service industry is tough. There's a lot of nights when things just keep falling apart. Every, like, five minutes, something just falls apart. Um, you feel like you're just in quicksand and it's not going to get any better, you know? Yeah. And I realized after a couple of weeks, like, this is no joke. Uh, I, I was humbled quick. Like, I thought I was a superstar soldier who came back and started bartending. It's a tough, it's a tough yeah. thing to do. You're on your feet all night long. Yeah. You don't really have time to eat. If uh, you try to take that time, like, that chance to go eat, like, you're going to get behind on your bar. Really? You know, or, or it's it's a tough thing. I don't know if you've ever served before. I have, but not as an official job. I did it just as volunteering, like, a couple of years ago. Not a bar, not a no bartenders, but there was times when I worked in the train department, we would go help the nation's buffet. And this is, I'm saying this, but it's, it only did it maybe two times. 
But uh, yeah, I know how hard it is. It was fun. It was it was kind of fun busting tables and serving, but it is hard work. And we helped out housekeeping a couple times. That was some hard work. Ooh, housekeeping is tough, man. Yeah. I did a lot of dishwashing in my days, though. Back yeah. When I was a teenager, I had a job at Denny's, and that was a crazy job. Uh, dishwashing the, the, and stuff <laughs> like that. The service industry is insane. You yeah. watched the movie Waiting? No, like, I've never seen that. Dude, some of these restaurants are borderline like that movie. Man. Yeah. Like, I look in the back as I'm leaving, I'm like, oh, I feel like I shouldn't have eaten here. <laughs> but yeah, dude, the, I give a lot of respect for people that just make a living. All That's all they do is serve. Because yeah. it's tough. It's tough work. It's tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. All you're doing is trying to just, like, please people all yeah. day, every day, eight hours. And everybody that comes in is fresh. They're, they're going to be there for 30 minutes or an hour. And they want the best service, and you got to provide that every time a new face walks in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough, man. I give I give like I said a lot of respect to yep. the service industry. I, I was humbled quick, especially dealing with drunk people. Oh yeah, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. I always think like when I DJ, I got to deal with drunk people all the time. Yeah, but I always say there's a limit between between uh giving them the best service and then them just blatantly being too drunk to disrespect you. You know then. I guess there's a point where you gotta maybe call security or something. Yeah, that's where you gotta you gotta have a little bit of attitude, a little bit of. Yeah. I remember, um, how, I I kind of didn't know how to treat people at first. Yeah. Especially when I got to the tap house because you get you you get a different um type of drinker that wants to go in there and just smash a whole bunch of beers. Yeah. You have seventy beers on tap in that bar, <laughs> and you get a lot of um how would you say like blue collar workers? These seventy beers, cold beers. It's four thirty. Uh-huh. That's my new home, you know. Uh-huh. They want to get off, have a nice freaking cold beer. They got the freshest kegs. Dude. We got the freshest kegs, yeah. man. All those selections, and yeah. so you get this tired dude that comes in and just gets a little too drunk, and oh man, it's 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 a different type of place, you know. But uh, I remember talking to the the managers about how to deal with people. And something that I kind of took away from them was, like, the little bit of attitude that they got. Uh-huh. They've got, like, they've been working there so long that they've got, like, a professional attitude. That's the best way I can put it. Oh, really? Yeah, whenever people are just, like, over the top. They're yeah. way too drunk, being mean and disrespectful. These managers come out. They're, they get right in these people's faces, and they tell them exactly how it needs to be told, you know. And now I always study how they worded everything, and I'm like, man, why didn't I think of that? I could have did that. Uh-huh. And then I felt, you know, like, oh, good job. Like, you handled that really well. You know? <laughs> and then I kind of picked up on it, and that's where I learned the language. Like, you have to learn, like, because you can't go out there just calling them, like, hey, idiot. Like, yeah. you're drunk. Stop drinking. You're cut off, you know? Yep. You know, even though they're that drunk, you still need to provide, like, a level of professionalism. Yep. And so I, I, I picked up on that. That there's, like I said, it's a new, it's a different language that you got to learn yeah. as a bartender. Um, but like when I when I first got there, I had to lean on those managers a little bit and see how they handled those situations. I've yeah. seen situations get out of control, and um, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for the people that are working, and it's not good for the people that are being cut off. You know, because you know police get involved, and then you might you might get let go, you might get suspended or or written up. So you, you gotta handle it just right. Yeah. It's like uh, especially when fights break out. Like I don't see too many fights break out on the tap house side because. It's more of like a relaxed, um, like I said, like the blue collar guy wants to come in and he wants to drink beers after work, right? Yeah. It's not the nightclub where people are trying to do like a hundred shots and be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you don't you don't see too much of the those kinds of events unfold. Yeah. Um. But once in a while you see it, and then people look to me like, "Oh, blue, go break it up!" But I, I can't. <laughs> it's just not my job. Like, 
I want to. Like, I want to yeah. go out there and go get involved, but I'm not supposed to. You know? I've been in that situation, too, where I was like, man, like, somebody would come up to me, and I'm DJing. I don't want want to get in, a, get in a fight or have to do anything, but, you know, I just got to remain calm and professional because uh, somebody will be in my face. I didn't play the right song or something. They'll be flipping me off, cussing <laughs> at me, you know. It, it's been, there's been, it's been crazy, but, you know, you just got to do it and, and be professional. Like that class said, being professional is not for amateurs, you know. Yeah. That's your money. Those Each each of those guests are your money and you just got to, you know, I like um, there's there's a lot of old school like servers and stuff that I see at the end still holding it down. Yeah, they've been doing it for like 10, 15 years and and they still got good attitudes about it and they still know how to treat customers. And, just, and I'm, I'm always like, damn, how do they how do they do it every day? Like, yeah, good job. Like I, I always I always want to friend them up. Like those are my friends. You know, uh-huh. I like talking to those people. But um, sometimes you see like new service come in and they yeah. just can't handle the job. They usually don't last because it's it really isn't for everyone. You know, if everyone should try it and if it's your thing. It's a great way to make money because the money's fast. But yeah. if it's not your thing, like don't waste too much time there. Like you got you got to know like it's it's a tough place to be. It's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah. They um the if shout I'm trying to give a little bit of a, a plug for the tap house. I keep saying talking about the tap house. Yeah. It's a sweet bar, man. Yeah, everybody loves it. They would they would. Uh, I know a lot of people from Redoso. They, I'd be like, "What's your favorite restaurant, Redoso?" They'd be, like, "Oh, Broken Arrow." Broken Arrow. And I'd be like, oh, actually, it's in Mescalero, but thank you. <laughs> I love I love working in there, man. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a cool environment. Like I said, with all the seventy beers on tap, like yeah. it's a lot of fun in there, man. There's a there's a lot of good people that work in there too. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other side that I see is on that like nightclub side uh-huh. where you work, where you DJ. Yeah. You're responsible for all these people getting crazy. Yeah. You're playing all these good songs and people want to get riled up and shake and fight. And yeah. <laughs> I, I know one of the things I try to do is take requests. Take requests all night and just play what they like, play what they want. And it's usually a mixture. It goes like this. It goes a line dancing song, like the Cupid Shuffle. Then it goes uh, some some uh, cumbias, Spanish, some, some kind of reggaeton, rap, uh, country, country, country. Boom, back to a line dancing song. And it goes in a circle all night. So, like, the people that want to dance, the dance floors will stay uh, pretty steady. And then the people with some, the people that don't dance rap, the country people, they'll be sitting down ordering their drinks so the club's making money. Then once they hear their country song, they get back up. So I try to keep the flow just going of people keeping keep spending money but having a good time at the same time. And I take requests, taking requests all night. So I kind of mastered the art of... Um, a nightclub. I learned that from Bar Rescue, actually. Oh, yeah. Because nice. I remember there was an episode on Bar Rescue where they, it's not, because if you have everybody on the dance floor all night, you're not really doing good. It looks nice. It looks like, yeah, this club's popping, but you're not making no money for the club because they're not ordering, they're, they're not, not spending getting money. They're not a chance to go order. So you got to yeah. have them sit down for a little bit. And so I kind of took that was, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have these people stand up for this amount of time dancing. And the rest of them sitting down ordering drinks. Or even these people going going outside and gamble for a little while. Then they're going to come back and spend... They're going to go go spend money there and come back. And then at the end of the day, I'm trying to make everybody just have a good time, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to get somebody from the from the resort like that does good at their job. Yeah. If anyone listening knows, like, or like has a recommendation, maybe like a good server. Or good, yeah. Yeah, something like that. We need to bring them onto the podcast and mm-hmm. like have them talk about like... Some of the craziest stories, like people. Well, Brian, just being Brian crazy. Tenorio, he's been serving there in nations oh, yeah, for, right. for uh, since it opened. Since that's yeah. what fifteen years. We're about to go on our fifteen year anniversary, and he's one of, in my eyes, he's one of the best because he's real humble and he he takes ser- he takes it serious how you take it serious, and he he uh, 
make sure his customers are always taken care of real good, you know. And he yeah. loves serving. He loves serving people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a lot of fun in that tap house because it's kind of like relaxed and you get to wear jeans and yeah. then you, but you have to wear your work shirt and stuff. Uh-huh. But I have a lot of fun talking about beer. Like we always have new beer come in and stuff and it's oh, a lot, really? it's a lot of fun getting to deal with all that. And I actually learned a lot about beer. Like, um, I didn't even know what like an IPA meant when I went in there, or, like what was the difference between like an IPA uh-huh. or like, um, uh, like like a Scottish ale. Um, I didn't yeah. know that they were kind of similar, but you know, to me, all the beer was just, it was just beer. But when I got there, um, I learned about how the, how the beer was brewed in different barrels. Um, India uses certain barrels that makes, that gives the IPAs like a different color. So your India pale ales are going to have a little bit different color and taste because of the barrels that they use. Uh, and, um, the Scottish, the Scottish get their barrels from India. So the beer, the beer that they brew, might have a similar taste to some of the the IPA, but it's not IPA. Um, brown ales, um, I learned about just like different uh, little beers like that. Um, Does Broken Arrow have their own? No, I know that's... we have our own. Our own. They had us design their own. Um, what's it called? The thing they pull. The, the, the tap, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. handle. Yeah. What What comes out of that one? Um, so they rotate a certain beer through that handle. Um, um, it's just up to, I think it's just up to the management, like what beer is going to go into that handle next. Yeah. But it's not the same beer all the time. Um, um sometime, uh, for the longest time we had a beer in there called like Sessions or something like that. Oh, okay. And I didn't know too much about that beer, honestly, um, because I wasn't pouring it too much. Yeah. Um, and then I went back to school and then I came back for the, after the semester was over, they had another beer in it. But a lot of people think that, um, the Tap House brews its own beer and that'd be sweet. I think maybe in the future, I bet you, I bet you we work something out. Yeah, and we start cool. we start brewing our own beer. I bet because uh, yeah. it only makes sense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but everyone's first thing they want to do is they're like, I want the broken arrow, and I always explain like, look, we we don't brew our own beer. I hope you're not making that choice purely on the fact that you think that we brew our own beer. Uh-huh. But um, this is the beer that's in that in that kit in that um handle right now yeah and i'll have them sample it and take it and they're like oh well i was gonna get it because of that but i'll get something else yeah yeah but i remember they they have a hemp beer too right yeah it was called it was called uh the the hemperer yeah yeah the hpa yeah Um, yeah it was a a, i tried a little sample of it very strong yeah yeah it smells like weed like straight up (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, lot, sometimes people get there and that's all they want. And then there's sometimes really? people are like, this is the most awful beer I've ever had. <laughs> it just depends on, on what you like, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. But I like the fact that we don't focus too much on cocktails. Uh-huh. Because I think if you're a cocktail bartender, that is a very difficult job. Mm-hmm. I think if I was just at a pure cocktail bar only like that, we did a lot of special cocktails. I might not do as well because my style of bartending isn't, my personality that's not my personality uh-huh. um i'm more of the pers- person you want to go to to uh kind of relax and talk to and open up to about you know just like what's going on today like i can have a conversation like yeah four hours yeah and uh but if i have to be fast-paced or dealing with cocktails all the time i don't get to do that uh-huh. and so when people come in and they're like they just want beer and they're just hanging out with me drinking a pint at a time trying new beer and it might not be as busy in the bar, and that's that's like my 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 time to shine as a bartender. I'll give them whatever beer that they want to try and have whatever conversation they want to have. I'm pretty easygoing, you know. But 
But I've seen some of the bars where you have to go fast and stuff. That's just not my style, you know. Have you seen those cocktail bartenders that do all kinds of tricks and? Do yeah, all kinds of man, stuff? that requires a lot of concentration. All I do is pull on the on, on the tap handle. Yeah. Beer comes out, and that's it. <laughs> um, sometimes I get the occasional Cosmo or um, Chilton, but it's it's not too too bad. That's like that's not our side, really. You know, we don't even have a blender for frozen margaritas. You know. Yeah. Those are like we give that blender to the other bars. Um, but uh, our bar, our bar focus on, focus on beer. But if I had to focus on cocktails like that, you got to think about it this way: there's like an endless amount of cocktails that you can come up with, right? There's, yeah. there's there's endless amounts of drinks you can make, and in every drink, there's a different combination of of spirits and um, whatever your 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 filler is, like your juice or your lemon or your lime or whatever mixture your 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 cream, your half and half, like cherry juice. There's all kinds of variations, like. Cocktails to me are like Rubik's cubes. There's so many different variations of how they can get put together. Yeah. And so, like, you have to know what. Like, not not only do you have to know every ingredient for every drink like that, which is a lot. Some drinks have like seven ingredients. You know, some yeah. drinks have like way more than you can count. It seems like like the audios. Yeah, like the the, the yeah the audios the AMF. That used to be my favorite drink when I was in my. Early twenties. How many? How many different drinks? It's go into seven that? shots. I think. Yeah, you get oh, <laughs> rum and blue Caracol yeah. and you know, there's so many different things. But and um, so, not only do you have to know what mixture of what alcohol goes into what drink, you have to know how it's prepared, what kind of glass it goes in, if it's shaken, if it's stirred, if it's strained, um, just oh, and what the garnish is. If it's like salt in the rim, or if it's sugar on the rim, or like today I saw you order um, michelada. Michelada. Oh my god, that's my. Nobody knows how to make that around. Well, Broken Arrow does. That's the only place you can get it. But in the in the area of Ridoso, nobody knows how to make it like they do in El Paso. Yeah, you gotta have you got. It has to be spicy and. Uh, it's a difficult drink, man. It, when, it's good. It, it, it's it's tomato juice and it's it's a bunch of spices. They actually put Wor- Worcestershire sauce in it. It's not uh, like. Difficult to make. It's just like when you're behind yeah. and like half the crowd is ordering micheladas. <laughs> it's gonna take a while. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna take a long time to get all these drinks out. I get so frustrated sometimes when I order one at different places and they're like, "Can I get a michelada?" Oh yeah, we know how to make one. All I do is put clamato and beer. Just that. It tastes disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but those real micheladas, you'll see them. Some of them even have beef jerky in them. Yeah, <laughs> those those are the best. I'm not a when I when I hear that drink come up I'm deep down in the inside I'm like oh, I don't, yeah. don't want to make this drink I just want to pour a beer yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so the the talked about like uh, going around like your your selection of of um, breweries and our places to drink at tap houses uh, I do like the hidden tap at in Redoso. yeah the hidden tap I've been there only cool. a couple times but I like the environment in there yeah. I like how it's like downstairs and you can go upstairs and get like a little bit different um, scenery and stuff. It's it's a cool place. People call that a hipster place. What is? It? I don't, oh, that's that. Those all those hipsters and they drink all that hipster beer. You know what's? <laughs> you know what's funny? When I walked in there, I kind of got that vibe. You're right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. But so what exactly is a hipster? Well, the way I see a hipster is uh, like I, I hope I'm not offending anyone here. <laughs> is a is a dude wearing like maybe like a like a button up like a plaid he's he's growing out his beard uh, and he's like he's wearing like some weird glasses 
and he's got like one of those um a vape pen a fedora no, a vape pen <laughs> and, and, a, and a fedora hat yeah and uh he just looks real real like stylish in that in that fashion but uh i felt like that room that whole place was full of that like yeah, beer, it's a cool place. beer connoisseurs and, and stuff like that but uh <clears throat> that place was it was just I, it's probably just because it's different to me yeah whenever i go out it's always the the inn the resort it's always just right there you know and it's on the reservation i don't have to drive into town but uh for places to to experiment with that that place is pretty cool the rio grand tap house also pretty cool they built a new one too in midtown i, I don't oh, remember really? the name but it's another place where they have that hipster beer i shit i can't remember the name right now but it's uh somewhere in midtown I don't get a chance to go out that much, man. I'm always, I'm always so busy, and I, yeah. I got the kids working up and um, dealing dealing with the babies all the time. Um, so I got my daughter, Araya. She's three, and she's cursing. Oh, <laughs> she's just always trying to find a way to throw in a curse word. Uh, it's my fault, and I've dumbed it down a lot on uh, the cussing. I've, I'm not cussing as much. That. You know what? That's a good topic. I'm glad you brought that up. Why do we get offended by cuss words? What's I don't the big know. deal? You know, um, you know, remember when I, we first met, made this? I, I wanted to. I wanted to. Add, we we're talking about cussing. Should we cuss on this podcast? What will people think if we cuss? You know, but like the major podcasts, a lot of them do, just because that they're being more real, I guess. But I mean, why does it offend us anyway? It's because it's because of the message that it sends. You yeah. know, like for one, I don't favorite on the podcast because the way that i'm trying to promote positivity yeah and and good things that people are doing in the world um i'm aiming that thought process to people who would appreciate that type of podcast Uh i'm I'm aiming that subject to these people um so i think the type of listener that Uh would listen to that type of story Probably wouldn't really appreciate us just like cussing all the time. Because what mm-hmm. if it's what if it's grandma? Exactly. Or what if it's um? I always because I added my pastor on Facebook uh, a while back, and that's when I was like, scared to post of the cuss cuss yeah, on Facebook. You so know, so your pastor yeah, like yeah. listening to our podcast. Yeah, and he's just here, and you just just drop like f bombs all the time, dude. I love cursing. Uh, well, at the same time, I want to because it's it's just like you emphasize your message you're trying to get across. Yeah, but why does I just don't? Where did it come? I guess because do words have energy behind them or energy? They're just words, but you know, energy derogatory yeah. and stuff like that. It's the same like it's the same with like why you know n word. Yeah, it's got emotion. It's got meaning to it. Like. You're changing. You're changing how you're uh-huh. calling somebody a name. You know. What do you think about like this, a young kids using that word that that end the n word? I think it's. I think it's awful. Yeah. I think it's stupid. I think I, it's ridiculous. I hate it and it's annoying. I and it people like my younger friends, they 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 use it. They this they tell me that I'm that I'm just I don't know. They're like ah, oh, everybody uses it. It's nothing. It's cool. This and that, and then I'll hear I'll hear him saying, "I was like, dang, you guys sound stupid, especially if they're not black. Mm-hmm. If they if they're um, if if they're just trying to, it's just, to me, it sounds like they're trying to be something they're not. And yeah. I hate it when rappers like if black people use it. This is how I really feel about it. If black people use the n word, especially if they're rappers, that's them. That's their word. They went, their people went through a struggle, and they say it. That's that's their thing. But if you're not, then you shouldn't say that. That's yeah. why I don't use it. I've never, I've never. I've never been the type to use that word, especially when I'm rapping. I I love cursing, and I and yeah. I curse I curse around my family. 
And yeah. That's why my that's why my daughter's picking up curse words, right? <laughs> and I'm trying to tone it down because I don't want her cursing at school all the time or mm-hmm. something like that. So, but um, what I, what I think is it'll increase it'll increase our the amount of listeners that we can have yeah. if we eliminate cursing. If we're always cursing, we're gonna go ahead and just people we're just, are turn it off. We're gonna limit how many more because what if what if um, say I'll put it to you like this: the amount of people that don't care. For cursing, added to the people that do do listen do do like cursing. Yeah, the that that number added up is we'll say it's like five hundred, right? Yeah, I just throw out a number. Yeah, five hundred. Okay, so now that say that was our our whole audience, that was our whole world. It's five hundred people. Yeah. Now you take all you take a certain number of people that don't like cursing. Say it was a hundred people mm-hmm. who don't want to listen to curse words all the time. Uh-huh. Now our po- now our podcast only has four hundred listeners. Yeah, so it just increases our audience, our our range. I think. Yeah, and it allows more people to listen more comfortably. You know, because yeah. when when I cuss, I always tell my son this, and because he he's always around me and he hears it all the time. Mm-hmm. I um I tell him like son. I don't want you cussing. I don't want you doing what I what I'm doing. I I'm doing it out of habit. I have certain friends that understand the way I talk, and there's no time and place for a kid to cuss. Yeah. And he understands it so great because he's so smart. He's so socially aware, and um, he's he's a gentle child. But with my daughter Araya, I think she's gonna have a different type of personality where I'm not going to be able to cuss around her. Yeah. I don't think she's going to understand it the same way that my son understands that there's a time and a place and there really is a time and a place for cussing. Yeah. I have certain friends that I, I would just let it fly with and those they enjoy they enjoy the way the conversation is, is, is being funded by the amount of profanity that I'm using, you know? Yeah. It, it just enhances it and increases your message that you're trying to get up, get across like you're It saying. makes the best comedy shows. Oh, yeah. absolutely. There's dude. a lot of comedians who, uh, they wouldn't be funny if they didn't cause. Absolutely. <laughs> there's a time and a place though, yeah. you know? But then there's actually clean comedians. Like, I guess Gabriel Iglesias, he cusses a little bit. But yeah. uh, a lot of his stuff is clean too, you know? When I'm around certain people, I won't cuss. Um, yeah. When I'm talking to um, my my mother-in-law's mother, my my grandmother-in-law, <laughs> yeah. my in-laws, right? Uh, we call her Grandma Don. Like she comes around the house, I'm not just cussing around her. Yeah, like that's that's Grandma, you know. Like I'm not just gonna let her hear all my profanity. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to my boss at work, I'm not just cussing. I'm not cussing at all. I'm trying to be professional. Mm-hmm. You have to know that there's a time and a place for it. Yeah, you can't be that person that's ignorant to the world, just letting all your cuss words just fly to everybody. Not everybody is receptive of it. it yeah. There's there's a message that it gives off. Comedy night, let all the cuss words fly. Yeah. You know, you're you're in a comedy room. Everybody in there is out there drinking alcohol, coming to watch your show. Yeah, you you, you cuss like that's that's the time and place for it. Yeah, um, you're at you're at, you're giving a speech for your best friend at a funeral. You're probably not going to want to cuss in front of the crowd because he's got his family there, his his grandma, his um his aunts and. There's little kids there, you know. It's yeah. just not right. You have to know, and that's why I don't want to um, just profanity all over the podcast all the time because yeah. I think it's going to limit the audience. It's going to limit mm. the numbers. We're already probably going to only have like thirty people listening to this <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> Maybe we'd have to make a show just hey, uh, twenty one or older. This is 
Listeners, discretion advises explicit content, and they just start talking all kinds of crazy. Dude, stuff. I'm down for that. I'm down <laughs> yeah. for that. You know, yeah. um, coming from the infantry, that's all we did. There's no sentence that did not involve profanity. Uh-huh. And when I left for the army, I already, I already cussed a lot. Yeah, I was profanity just all in all my vocabulary just riddled with profanity. Uh-huh. And when I got to the army, I was like, I can thrive here. This is my language, you know. And and that's all we did. Just F this, stupid that, just dumb, yeah, just anything you can think of. And yeah. then when I got out of the army, I had to realize I just can't talk to people like that. Well, your favorite podcast, who, who do you listen to? Oh, man, um, my favorite of all time uh-huh. would probably be Stephen Ranella's Meat Eater podcast. Do they cuss on there? He, not really. No? He tells his, his guests, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 just try to keep it down, you know, those kids listen. But he doesn't edit it out. Yeah. Um, you know, cuss words fly here and there and there. Yeah. But he does make it a point to be like, whoa, 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 let, let's cut, let's tone it back on, on the cuss words. We might have kids listening to this. Yeah. But they never edit it out. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he's, um, he's like truly again, he, he uses profanity himself on accident sometimes. Yeah. It just kind of slips and stuff. And so, but, but he does make it a point to say, hey, you know, there might be kids listening to this show. Let's, let's, limit our our profanity uh-huh. and then i like listening to joe rogan of course joe yeah. rogan's probably they, the best podcast creator out yeah, there yeah definitely and he just cusses, cusses all throughout the entire podcast but he can yeah. afford to do it yeah. he has millions of listeners right. and he don't give a flying if he cusses no, <laughs> <laughs> no cussing, my, my favorite is the brilliant idiots i don't know if but they they cuss but they talk a lot about sexual things too and it's, yeah. it's hilarious it's funny that's a pretty gritty podcast yeah it yeah. is but then it, I mean their name fits them definitely the brilliant idiots because they talk about some brilliant stuff on there but at the same time they're just some idiots you yeah, know? <laughs> but, yeah but they're comedian but one of them's a comedian and it makes for a good show you gotta yeah. know you gotta know your audience and I think right now our audience is yeah it might it might be everybody you know but um, our, our mission, I guess, you know, is is like you said, uh, inspiring the community and, you know, I guess shining light on the positive things that mainly Mescalero or whoever, whatever they do, you know. Yeah, our community is going to be uh, our 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 social circle that we're releasing this to. That's probably going to listen to this. It's it's probably going to be kind of small at first. Yeah. Until like this, this thing evolves. I, th- I think it's going to evolve. Yeah. I think it's going to take different shapes as time goes on. I asked, um, asked a good a good friend of mine. I said, "What? How should I? What? What's my audience like? <clears throat> if I was to go through this is before we started, I was like, if I was going to go through with this, like, who do I? <clears throat> how do I limit? Oh, sorry. I was like, how do I decide who the target audience is going to be? He's like, just talk to your social circle for now, yeah, and let it grow from there because." You know, it's it's got to sound natural to a sense. I agree with what he was saying, just like talking to who my social circle is now. Yeah. But at the same time, I still yet yeah, am very cognizant of all the other listeners that might be listening that I might be offending if I'm just like uh-huh. cussing off the top. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I love it. Like I said, I I love the bad words. It's it's good. It makes a good conversation for me. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> yeah. It does. It, it makes things funnier too. It does. It does. I feel more comfortable around people when I can cuss with them. But at the same, I, it's a it's a light switch with me too. Like if I go to a church, boom, it's off. Yeah. If I yeah. go into work or meeting professional stand, I turn it off. You gotta have that. Yeah. You gotta have that light switch to get through life because yeah. you can't. 
you can't be so ignorant that you can just think that you can do what you want and say exactly what you want wherever you go. There's a there's a good number of people out there that like to think that that's the way the world should work. Yeah. And I hear it. I see it all the time, like, especially on Facebook, like people that, you know, I don't care about what people think of me, that whole attitude like that. Yeah. I live my life like... F what you think. And you know, Facebook's a different world, man. It, it is, but I'm just saying, like, um, there, there's yeah. those people out there who, who try to live that life of not caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not that type of world. I don't really think it is, like, any, like, respectable person who's, like, trying to trying to do something big with their life, like, no, whatever whatever direction, whatever your direction is, mm-hmm. you, you got to care at a certain point at what people think about you. Yeah. You have to. Because this world is based on social skills. It's it's based it's based on how you carry yourself. It's based on perception. It's it's everything that you can put together to to um, earn respect. Because at the end of the day, when you make it to the top and when you're in a leadership position, uh-huh. you're gonna need respect. Mm-hmm. You're gonna need people to follow you. You and well, that's where that's where it comes into into account. You you need to, if you maybe you'll have the respect. Like if if you truly didn't care about what people think, people will follow. I wouldn't follow somebody who didn't care what people thought about them. But you might have a, a, a small group of followers, but I don't think that's the most effective way to lead. Well, I mean, that's true. But look at our country, our leader. True. <laughs> well, I mean, well, and um, man, I don't know. I don't really want to say too much about him, what I think about him. But it's what we're talking about. He uh, he cussed the years late. One of his latest speech, whatever he 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 was uh, innocent or whatever. Oh, he yeah. said, and it was all BS. He's well, he said the real word, and I was like, wow. I'm gonna be honest. I don't care. I do like some of the things he's doing, and I do like our economy. And I, I have all, even before he was president, I was a Trump fan just because he was a businessman. Yeah, and he, and he knows. And you know what? I've always been. I've been a registered Republican since I was 18. I've always. I voted. I voted a Republican. I kind of went independent because I didn't. I thought the whole system was was bullcrap, especially the way they treated our people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and there was even a time and point where I was a big conspiracy theorist where I thought it was just all controlled by the Illuminati. But if I had to, it, I, I really don't want to define my beliefs in politics, but if I had to define it, I'd be more of like conservative. I can't find a, I can't find a position that I truly fall in. Yeah. Like I, I can, like, if I could just like take all the things that I agree with from all the different parties and make a new party, like that party wouldn't probably never exist, mm-hmm. but like that's. I wish I could do that, you know, but I just can't lean because there's always like I feel like I land somewhere, and yeah. for for a good time I feel like oh I fall in this category I have to be this party, yeah. and then I start seeing other people come out of that party that represent that party and I'm like no 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 I don't want to be associated with that guy's way of thinking I must be this party over here and I start following people that are on this side and I'm like no no that side's stupid it's not for me because they're they're against this and I'm for this and it's hard for me it's really yeah. hard for, I'm so picky I'm so jumping the line all the time but uh-huh. um. Yeah, I don't... I, so did you ever vote? Have you ever voted? Yeah. Uh, Who have you voted for in the uh, past? In the, you mean for like our... Yeah. Well, when you first turned 18, did you vote? Or who did you vote for? No, when I first turned 18, I didn't vote. And I didn't no. vote for a long time. When I first turned 18, I voted... Or when I first... Was it 18? When I... No, I missed that first one. I was I just, I just was shy of voting, but I was going to vote for George Bush at the time. Then my beliefs about him got crazy. I didn't... And I... And then when I turned 22, I think I voted for McCain. And then my beliefs for him got crazy. It's just always switching because you never know, you know? Like Yeah. But um, yeah. And then um, this past one, I voted for Gary Johnson just because he was... Uh, All the people that I want to vote for now are the like people that aren't going to win. Yeah. Yeah. They're like... Um, so it's like... It's kind of hard like the way the voting system works because 
there's there's like certain candidates that are like you know are gonna make it like to the end uh-huh. but then there's like people that you really 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 like and they're just like not gonna win at all yeah you have all these people you can choose to vote for and then the one guy that you think or the one girl that you think is like representing everything you believe in is just not going to make it like mm-hmm. um they call those kind of like it's like people will call them wasted votes yeah but they're not that's what they were saying about this past the one with Hillary and Trump they were saying oh if you vote for if you vote for Gary Johnson uh, was it Gary Johnson yeah, it yeah. Gary Johnson. if you vote for him you're basically vote, throwing your vote away because he ain't going to win. Yeah, but, yeah, that's what they I, say, throwing your vote away and stuff like that. Yeah. I liked him because he's for he's for um, legalizing marijuana. Yeah, and I, I like... I'm I like, for it, too. I like a lot of what Gary Johnson was saying. Yeah. and But like they're saying, like, you're just throwing your vote. He wasn't going to win. He kind of knew he wasn't going to win, yeah. I think. And, but it's, it's, a, it's a whole twisted game, and I really don't po- talk politics, especially at the bar. Yeah. Whenever we're at the bar, <laughs> I tell people, all right, don't talk religion and don't talk politics. <laughs> Those are the funnest thing to talk about when you're drunk, though. No, I'm just <laughs> they cause the most fights. <laughs> they, do. they do, bro. They cause the most fights, man. As as a uh, my brother and Cassie, we've had those discussions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're they were real uh, on the other side. No, yeah. they, whenever um, Trump Trump got elected, I was like I was pretty against him because I didn't want our, our country represented by somebody who carried himself in that fashion. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, the way the way I see people in leadership positions, I know what a good leader is because when I was in the army, I've uh-huh. seen it, dude. I've seen people that are just excellent leaders, uh-huh. leading troops into combat, um, guys that you just follow to the ultimate test, to war, to death. You know, like you would follow these men. Yeah. And I see the way they carry themselves, and I see how humble they are, and I see how professional they are, and I see how caring they are. Man, just, just, I could never be that. I feel like that those people that I admired, like they were just such awesome leaders. Yeah. And um, now that I'm gone, I got, I got, a, I, I had a chance to get a dose of that. And now that I'm out, and then I get to see what our leaders are now, and I'm like, dude, this is not what I envision as a leader. Yeah. A leader should carry himself like this. A leader shouldn't talk like this. A leader shouldn't do these things but but it's that's america nowadays i think i think america it shows how america is because he he was he wasn't the best leader but he was the most entertaining yeah you know and he he did his day he used his data and he realized who voted he had his marketing team he played Uh, he played the game and he won yeah Yeah, definitely just like why did remember you remember that rapper uh Six nine Takashi, mm-hmm. he was the number one rapper right. in the world. But he was famous because he did all those stupid trolling antics, whatever. And it's the same way. But, that's just what America is nowadays. But let me let me tell you like this: that's not the way I want to win. Yeah, that's if true. I, that's I'm not winning. the right way. But that's how people are winning in our country nowadays. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's and it's wrong. I, I mean, but hey, but I'm I'm not gonna lie. I do like a couple of things that he's doing. So, I like I like. Um, a couple of a couple of situations he's handled. Mm-hmm. I like a couple of the eco- economic battles that he's he's been pushing. I like I like the um, the things that he does for veterans. Yeah, he's been yeah. nothing but good for veterans. Yeah, but like at the same time, I look at him and I'm like, dude, <laughs> are you freaking serious? He's, he's funny. He's he's hilarious. Oh my gosh. I dude. like. I kind of like. Well. What he's done with the economy, I think the economy is great right now. It's better yeah, than it's they, ever been. They say Not, they say that the numbers are up. But and then, the things I didn't like whenever he uh, did the pipeline, he he uh, he let him go back in the pipeline. Yes, it's easy. But, but you know like what? That. You know like, what? It worked. In, it kind of worked in the favor because they could not use uh, copper unless it was built here in 
in uh, America. So where are they going to get it? Because they were getting it from out of out of the states. Yeah. So it kind of put a hold on it. I don't know what the exact situation is on it now. Maybe we can have somebody on this podcast explain the exact situation. But another thing I didn't like is that he was because um, against changing Columbus Day to Indigenous Day. He wanted he wants to keep it Columbus Day, and that pissed me off about him because I, yeah. that that was a great victory. I'm glad New Mexico did that. We're indigenous. It's Indigenous Day now. You know that was mm-hmm. awesome. But uh, so, but yeah, I think there's just maybe this comes back to there's good and bad in everybody. I hate that. I hate that we're being led by such an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I will give him. I he's have, the WWE. It's WWE now, pretty much. You I, know? Do, I will give him credit where he's uh, like done good things and, uh-huh. and stuff like that. But I just think he's so dumb. I just think he's just. And I, I'm very. Um, I'm not the kind of person that's like. Just because all my friends say he's a retard, I'll I'll say like he's dumb or idiot. Yeah. I don't I don't mean to take offense to people that don't like the word retard, but um, when I when I say that, I just mean like he's just a huge jackass on stage, you know, yeah. and he's a, he's a clown. Uh, but if if I could like erase it, I would take him off. I'd make I'd put a new guy. I'd put like Denzel Washington up there. <laughs> I'd put somebody smooth up there. I'd put like um I don't know, just like a respectable figure up there leading the country. You know who I, I like have you ever heard of Ben Shapiro? He's a Jewish guy. He might be president someday. He has his own uh is it a pod he has his own I don't know if it's a podcast. He has something though, but I like him. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't um I notice like I, I kinda feel like a lot of people don't like him because other people in their social group said that they don't like him. Yeah. Yeah, and then a lot of people like him, and it's only because of of CNN and because of what the media said about him, and that's what kind of gets on my nerves. Because a lot of people just don't like him because of that. And yeah, it's like if you don't like him, okay, pick a legitimate reason why. Don't just say exactly. oh because he's racist. Yes, okay, how's yes. he racist? He don't like Mexicans. He wants to build a wall and this and that. It's like okay, do your research. You know that's not really the case. He's he doesn't he's out. You know, I don't think it's that. It's I'm not. Just, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not persuaded by the majority's yeah. like um, discussion on Facebook. You know, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, I, I do. Just I. I don't think that he's 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 a great president. Yeah. But there's areas where he's like doing doing some good. You know. Yeah. Economically speaking and and stuff like that. But yeah. politics is just a nasty. Yeah, that's subject. a whole other world. It's a nasty it? subject. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah. So, but, cha- changing the subject, yeah. back to um, my daughter cursing. Oh, that's a, yeah, your daughter cursing with the Donald Trump. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> uh, trying trying to get her trying to get her away from cursing, but yeah. you know what? Um, I don't know if you have any plans to to make any babies or anything like that. Yeah, but kids are for one, they are very hard. Yeah, kids are hard, but they are amazing, man. I bet. And that's, I think that was I was trying to go into this direction. Uh-huh. Um, I was watching the, what was it? I was watching that show on Netflix. Gabriel, is it Mr. Iglesias? No, 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 no. This it's a it's a documentary about a boy who was tortured and abused in California. Oh, I've been hearing about Gabriel that, but I haven't Fernandez watched that. Yeah, I haven't watched like that. Yet. I don't know if I even want to watch it. It's that. it's so hard, man. It, really? it, um, and as I've been getting older, I've been getting a lot more. Uh, emotional like mm-hmm. for some reason lately these past couple of years it's been hard to admit yeah. i've always been like real stone cold like very things don't move me like the and i almost, almost kind of thought i was broken for a long time yeah i almost kind of felt like I, I wasn't able to feel emotion 
I didn't know what it was like to cry for certain things. I and I didn't have these feelings, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, in the in the past like two or three years, I've been like developing like these feelings and these emotions, uh-huh. and um, I've been getting very very fired up in the subject of people that hurt and abuse children. Yeah. And um, when I when I started watching this Netflix show about this boy Gabriel. Um, it, it tore at my heartstrings. I just, uh, I, I have to, I'm not even done with it because I can't even watch too much of it at a time. What is it about? What is, so, um, this boy, he was being raised by, um, some other family members in, in California and he uh-huh. wasn't being raised by his mother. His, uh, mother, I'm, I'm not too far into the show where I can like, I think I give spoilers away. Yeah. But, um. His mother eventually wanted him back. But Uh when he was born, she was like, get this baby away from me. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she had other children, but for some reason didn't want that one. Yeah. And um, so someone else took him in, and then out of nowhere, she just wanted him back. And so she had him back, and and from the time she got him back to his death, there was eight months that he he was in her care. And she and her boyfriend, not his father, it was just some guy she was with. Yeah. They um, abused him. They tortured him. They tied him up, and they made him sleep in, in a cabinet in their bedroom. Oh, okay, we're back. Okay, so yeah, they um, so they were abusing this this boy. They had him um, they're they're tying him up and having him sleep in this cabinet and stuff. Yeah. And the poor kid, um, he was being tied up every night. He's being gagged. He was being tortured. All his fingers were broken. When his they, dad. His family? No, 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 no. His mom was dating this guy. Oh, okay. And they were both torturing this boy. Uh-huh. Um, and so the way the, the story kind of starts out is they start by talking about his death. Like So immediately when you start watching the show, you know that the boy has been you know murdered or something, right? Yeah. And as it goes on, they start describing like all these horrible things that have happened to this poor boy. And... The show kind of gives you bits and pieces as each episode goes on. Yeah. But um, the more, the further I kept getting into the episodes, like I, I get to a part where they're like, oh yeah, and whenever they, the the autopsy report showed what was in his stomach, they were starving him, um, but they showed that there was cat litter in there. They were feeding what? him cat litter. Um, Why were they doing all this then? They just... They are just... I, we haven't got to, I haven't got that far yet to where... I figured out why they're doing it. Like, I'm telling you, I have to watch this in, like, pieces. Like, That's small horrible. pieces. Because I just can't handle it. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to watch that. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Like, I had to fight with myself. Like, um, I don't want to just, like... I feel so bad for a lot of these stories. Like, I don't want to just ignore them. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. Feel, I feel like their story needs to be heard. You uh-huh. know, and I feel like I need to pay it attention. Because they, they, they died in a horrible way. But I want to know their life. I want to know about this person. And... Uh, just knowing just knowing about them just that little bit of knowledge for me kind of makes me feel like i'm doing them justice by by learning about their life you know yeah by not ignoring them because i i know it's a bad story what would know? make a person torture a kid that's what i'm that's it, what i'm trying to get at like, didn't co- so that um i'm watching this and i'm i'm hearing about all these awful things that were done this i mean, I, I don't even want to talk about it like i yeah. can't i can't even bring myself yeah. to talk about all the things that are done to this kid it's hard to even say it's it's, yeah. it's that it's that bad um, but so that's what started driving me down these thoughts of like, like what, what has to be going through someone's head to where, um, 
you know, you can break this down psychologically. You can try to do your own little research and your studies on it, but it'll never make sense to me. Like yeah. no matter no matter how many books I read, no no matter how many studies I hear about psychological uh, studies or reports, whatever, I'm never gonna understand it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never gonna know. I'm never gonna feel that way because whenever I think about it, the children, like I always like every to me every little kid is, is so special they're like, innocent too yeah so yeah. so innocent and full, and full of life and they deserve the best in this yeah. world you know you bring them into this world and uh, when I watch a story like that man oh my my gosh it, it, it freaking tears me up yeah. I get so angry man like I just want to like yell I want to I, I get like I'm, like I'm telling you in these past few years I've been getting more and more emotional and so watching this story has like been extra difficult for me because I just couldn't imagine any kid that I know. I couldn't imagine anybody going yeah. through it. And I was just, I've been pondering on, on this for for like a week now. Like, because I've been watching this documentary for about a week. And I'm just like, man, it, it pushes me to the point where I'm like, what can I do about this? Like, just what what yeah. can I put together? What I almost want to like start a new project. Like, because it helps children out. Uh-huh. But it's it's brutal. It's And I don't even know how to sum, sum up all these feelings I have about it. But there's there's anger. There's there's sadness. There's dude wa- watching this documentary is just like it's almost it's changing my life just like one episode at a time. Wow! But it happens all over. It happens in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, I see stories all the time about two parents who abused these children. This kid's dead now, and all these stories are everywhere. And it's so common, but it's it's so sad. And I don't I don't even know how to describe some of the emotions that comes over me when I read these stories, I see these stories and yeah, it sucks because you know that these, these children, this is where I have like a lot of conflicting thoughts about raise, raising children. When I was brought up, I was always taught like, you know, respect um, your elders and everyone that takes care of you and all this stuff. And it's true. You should grow up respecting like your family and stuff, but there has to be a point where your parents make you feel special too. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be growing up kissing the ring all your life. Yeah. Because you were brought into this world. For one, you were never asked to be brought into this world. Uh-huh. You were just brought, we were just all brought here. Yeah. And most times it's because our parents were being irresponsible. Uh-huh. That's the truth of it. Not many people that I know are just having kids because they want to. I like hearing that story. I like when uh-huh. somebody tells me like, oh yeah, we're trying to have another one. And that's great. And it makes me feel like, oh yeah, they, they, yeah. they've got things put together. They know what they're doing. They're, they're taking their life in, into a direction purposely, right? Yeah. But most of the time, I don't, like if I added up like a whole percentage of all the people that I know that are having kids, including me, I didn't plan on having three kids, uh-huh. you know, but uh, it's beautiful. Like these, these children are, are my life. Like if you would know me before I had kids and then know me now, like uh-huh. you would see that it's changed me completely. Yeah. I love them so much. Like I'm just, I give them my everything every day. I give them all my heart. And that's the way I feel like you should be raising your children if you're going to have children because yeah. like I said, they didn't ask to be brought here. Mm-hmm. And now that they're here, you should be treating them like they're precious because they are, you know? Yeah. And that's why I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody doesn't think that way or feel that way. It pisses me, it pisses me off. Like, I, I want to I want to hurt people bad whenever yeah. I read these stories and it's just a subject man it's a it's that's an awful hor- awful subject it's touchy it's it, that that's horrible man like um yeah I would love to have children someday too but I mean it goes back to my belief I know it it's wrong for people to uh, 
have children and treat them like that if they're not prepared to have children, you know? You shouldn't have children. And I'm totally against abortion. But, I mean, one thing, my beliefs is one thing I read and, and things, what I really believe, I believe that our spirits, we, we choose our parents. I really, I really believe that. I believe, uh, and it's just to experience life and we choose where we want to be born just so we can come here to earth and accomplish what we, we make ourselves, because we know everything before we come to this earth. We're basically God, if you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, we're spirit. So how do you, how do you account for like, if you want to choose your parents, like you didn't choose millionaires or you didn't choose people who would love you. Because you you want to become your own person. You think so? I don't know. I I think we, I I believe that we all have our own passion. We all have our own choice. I would like to choose parents that like, I would like to become my own person, but as a millionaire, you know? (laughs) I mean, I mean, everybody would, but maybe that's boring. Maybe, maybe, maybe you want to become your own person, your own, maybe you want to go through some struggle just so you can experience life. Or like the Manning brothers, like I would want those parents because they obviously breed NFL playing animals. I mean, you say, you know, that that's your human self talking, but what if your spiritual self before you came to this world, you know what? I want to be a Native American born in Mescalero, Mexico, and do something great with my life. Go to the military, sound, you know? That sounds legit. And then you just make yourself forget all of that, and boom, you're born. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds legit, but you yeah. have to do a lot more convincing. That's, that's what I really believe. You know, uh, over the years, and this is just not from, this is over the years of actually being a, a born again Christian when I was like in my teens, and then going maybe beyond that, and then praying, meditating, reading all kinds of the, theology, and what I really believe nowadays is that we come from a place of pure love, God, whatever you want to call it, and we make ourselves born into this dimension, this earth, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we to experience life. We make make ourselves forget, and by the time. You know, I don't believe that we learn stuff in life. I believe we remember it because we already know it because we, we already have known it before. And then we remember it all. Once we do everything that we're supposed to do in this life, we die. And, and um, even people that die young, they it's it wasn't a waste. Because our human self, like, oh, that, that guy, man, that guy has died so young. It was a waste. No, I think, I believe that they, mission accomplished, you know? You don't know because... Even if somebody died because they did something bad, well, the rest of the world is learning from that that person because they experienced it, you know? Yeah, that's some deep stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you have to do a lot more convincing on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, hard, I'm hard to convince, man. It's especially, especially difficult for me, too, because... I like I like knowing things that you can like prove or things that are like um, yeah more like we can't prove everything, uh-huh. but I feel like a lot of the belief systems have been so instilled for so long that it's easier to try to prove them. Uh-huh. And like like coming at me with something new like that is going to be very hard for me to, yeah. to 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 budge on. So what do you believe? What 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 do you believe happens to us? I guess after after we pass away. I I, I believe the the standard. Uh, well, you got to understand that um, my next male role model is my grandfather my late grandfather john shindo yeah and straight christian yeah. um he believed in heaven yeah. and he believed uh, once you're done you know that's your next stage he explained it to me very very basically from and i basically uh, basically just come from the bible you know his yeah. his way of thinking uh he, he read that thing every day all day and and that's just what i believe because that was what was influenced on my life for so long you know uh-huh. and it's easier for me to believe that because it came from a person that i loved and respected with all my heart he was my everything yeah. when i was a kid and um, so, so now that he's gone, that's the memory I have of him. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I just, and I have to believe that path. I, yeah. ha- I have to, because, um, there's no, there's no way I could ever believe that he lived his life 
um, for nothing. Yeah. That I just can't. I'd rather die knowing um, something that wasn't true yeah. than believe that he lived his life for nothing. You know, I'd uh-huh. rather... I'd rather live a lie almost than have to believe that um, he was wrong uh-huh. because I just loved him so much. Uh-huh. And the reason that I would follow him like that yeah. is because I remember I was talking about leadership earlier. Yeah, He is the epitome of like the perfect leader for me. Yeah, He was, um, he was stern when he needed to be. Uh-huh. He is very respectable. He, um, he carried himself in such a loving way. That anyone who ever came up and talked to him, immediately I could see it in yeah, their eyes. Yeah, I remember him. He was an awesome person. Yeah. Immediately, just felt love. Yep. You can just tell, like as soon yeah. as they saw him. And I was like, man, look at the way, look at the way the world looks at this guy as soon as they approach him. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, everybody wants to approach him. Yeah. Everybody feels so loved by him. Like, what is it about him? And I was like, this has to be. And the way he and people told him all the time, they're like, well, when he was when he was healthy, like, well, you need to run for president. You need to run for president. Oh yeah. And he was like, no, it's not my path, man. It's not my path. And I was like, dude, he's even <laughs> got the, he's yeah. even got the, um, the swag too about it too. He's like, nah, it's not for me. You yeah. know, like he was so cool. He turned down presidency. That's how I feel. Uh-huh. But he was he was my everything, man. He was yeah. He was honest. He was loving. He was kind. He treated all of us kids equally and he's just a great man you know and so i believe what he taught me i believe yeah. that stuff and and that's why I, and that's why i'm saying like um it's, it's it'll be very hard to convince me it's because convince I, you what? of like what you're saying like yeah. all this stuff because that's not the way he explained it to me like yeah. basically how he explained life to me he explained it from the bible yeah and it's not that what you're saying is not in the bible uh-huh and so it's going to be hard well, well, for what me. i'm saying what how you you're describing like this whole like we come from another no that's in the bible it's just explained in a little different kind oh, of way okay. <laughs> yeah. i thought you were I, I, maybe no I, well I, I guess well i guess it is some you see the people can uh their perception of the bible what they interpret is so is that's why we have all these different religions and we're talking about yeah. like you're saying that you're, you're picking your parents and, and stuff like that and yeah and that stuff like for me is a little hard to to comprehend uh-huh. But I mean, it's good for it's good for conversation, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not against anything. I'll never turn anybody away and yeah. tell anybody that they're ever wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not in my nature. But I'm just saying, like, it's it's just hard to convince me on things, uh-huh. you know. And I've always been that way. And yeah. it might it might be a flaw. Yeah. It might be something that that I need to work on uh, because I see that uh, there's been a lot of times where I've been wrong on things because that they couldn't have been proven. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to like everyday life, like social skills, like with my, with my wife, uh-huh. we argue on things and then I can't, um, I can't draw a conclusion to it. That makes sense. Like I can't write it on the board and be like, this is the problem. Yeah. I can't prove that. And we'll fight on it if I, because I can't prove something. It has to be like, I'm very black and white with everything. So you're going to be a realist about Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. she'll explain it to me in a, in a way that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, uh-huh. well, Prove what you're telling me is true. Yeah. And we'll fight on things like this all the time. Those are where the biggest fights come from. Yeah. And she's like, she tells me all the time, it doesn't have to be black and white like this. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we get in these battles, but like you're saying, like, I'm like, I'm very realist. Mm-hmm. And um, like, like my son, he'll tell me like, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, dude, you can do it. Why can't you do it? He's like, well, I, and I tell, I, I have to make a plan. I put it on paper. 
I'm like, if you accomplish this and you accomplish this and you accomplish this, it increases your percentage of being able to accomplish this. Why, why couldn't you do it? And he doesn't look at it like that. Uh-huh. And it's hard. It's, and then that's where I see that I'm different is because I'm, I'm always like, like precise. I'm always like to numbers. I'm always like trying to read something and, and make it true, you know? And, yeah. and, um, it might, it, it might be like, flaw. you almost have to figure out everything. Yeah, yourself. I, I do. Yeah. I always have to figure it out. Uh-huh. I have to know. And maybe that's why I can't watch scary movies and things about ghosts because uh-huh. I can't figure it out. I don't yeah. know. Uh, maybe like talking about aliens. Uh-huh. I, I want to believe aliens. But I just, I don't know. Like I, I need the proof, man. Like yeah. I see all these, I see all these um, videos on Bigfoot. <laughs> and it drives, you never saw Bigfoot in Pena? Never saw Bigfoot in Pena. It might have been me and uh, Thomas Duffy. No, I'm just <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm not talking about you guys dressing up in your suit. I'm talking like um, the videos that they show on yeah. National Geographic. Every one of them is so shaky. Um, we've never found any remains. We've we've never dug up a site. We've in these animals yeah. animals poop all over the world. We never found his poop anywhere. Like mm-hmm. we we've never like confirmed it with a microscope and, and DNA tests. And I've never seen the results. And dude, I'm I'm just bad at that. I'm, I'm yeah. bad at believing in things. You know. And yeah. that's I mean, what, I wouldn't say it's bad. That's what makes life. That's what we're all different in a way. That's what makes life such a beautiful thing. You know? But I can't relax, you know. And yeah. I need to relax. And I need to become like uh-huh. more more spiritual. And it takes away from my spiritual side. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to loosen up on it. You know, my my wife, my kids, and they're they're pretty good at you know maintaining their their Catholic beliefs and stuff like that. Yeah. And then um, I think. I, I need to relax a lot on the way I think about things like that uh-huh. so that I can become more spiritual with my family. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, def- yeah. definitely. It's, it weird, it's weird talking about stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even like, I don't even know. I haven't thought about any of this stuff that we're talking about. Uh-huh. It's just kind of just like coming out. I'm just like releasing like a lot of the feelings yeah. that I have. But um, yeah, so like whenever I feel like you're, you're talking about stuff that I, I don't quite understand, uh-huh. I won't be, I'll admit like I'll be one hundred percent with you. Like I won't be that receptive of it immediately mm-hmm. up front. Yeah. Because I do hear a lot of I and, and that's good, you know. You, that at least you're being genuine, you know. At least you're right. not if you're not just like agreeing with everything because with everything somebody says, you got to experience it for yourself. Yeah, I you do. Know? I do. Um, and it does. And I'll I'll just to give you um, a little bit of, like props. I respect a lot of your opinion, and yeah. like if you say it. I'll probably be more inclined to believe it than let's say like um, some some person that I, I don't really care for uh-huh. that like always preaching stuff all the time. Yeah. Or at the bar always preaching. You know. Yeah. Half the time, more than half, probably ninety percent of the time, I don't listen to the thing when I when I bartend on my my breaks. Uh-huh. I don't listen to ninety percent of the things that my customers tell me about like religion and, and when yeah. they try to lecture me on things, especially on politics and stuff like that. I do not list. I I'll be like, yeah, well, that's great, you know, because I'm working and I'll be respectful yeah. about it. You know, I you know I appreciate you um, informing me about you, you know, your beliefs, but I I don't listen. But with when it comes from someone like you or like if it comes from other people, um, there there's validity to what comes from certain people for me. Yeah, yeah, but. The more you talk about it, you, well, you might persuade me on. I mean, all your stuff. The Christian religion, you know, one of the one of the verses says, uh, "Go make disciples and teach them to do all things." So that's a lot. People use that because they want to get convert. They want to get. And I used to be like that. Mm-hmm. I used to think my mission in life was to win souls for Christ and get them all saved and get them all coming to church and 
I mean, but I don't really believe that no more. I mean, I I do in a sense, but it's not the same. I ain't trying to get no converts. I just know I'm not trying to, I just want to, I want, I, what I believe is God lives inside of everybody. And I just want to experience, hear people's story for themselves. Like I, I talked to these Mormons, some Mormon pe- people came to my house before and I was trying my hardest to get their story out. And like, why did you, what, what do you believe about God? Why do you believe this dude's a prophet? This and that, this and that. And they wouldn't do it. They just kept talk, trying to convert me to be a Mormon. And I'm never going to be a Mormon because. You know but, what's crazy about that religion? Yeah. Is it's really new. It's a very, yeah. it's a very new religion. Yeah. And um, it's same thing. So mm-hmm. like you told me like some stuff and then um, mm-hmm. I'd never heard it before. So immediately I was like telling you like, oh, mm-hmm. I might not be receptive to everything you're telling me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then. I tell you, but I respect what you're saying, yeah. and I need I need to read up on it some more and learn more yeah. about it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, same way with the Mormons, um, when they when they came and I talked to them one time, you know, I was asking them all about their religion, and I was like, you know, I might not fully agree with what you're saying right now, yeah. because I'm very uh, I don't want to say yes immediately, yeah, and get myself into something. And that, that's good because too. we don't know. Like end of the day, I don't know what the, I don't know what happens. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen when we actually die. I believe. This might because I've heard a lot of stories, but I just I know that there's God, there's a God, there's something that out there, and I believe there's a God inside of all of us who, uh, and uh, all of us have, and we just experience it. I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to get any converts. I'm, I just like to hear people's story. What what do they believe about God and why? What what came about of it? You know? um, and then uh, I'll tell you this: it's going to mm-hmm. be really hard to get me to talk about religion. Yeah, I'm very um. I don't know how to put it. Like, uh, like talking about my like feelings and emotions. Uh-huh. I grew up very cold, and I kept everything inside. Uh-huh. And I think um, talking about religion and stuff like that has always been one of those things that's been binded up with all those feelings and stuff. Yeah. And so now, now that I'm getting older, and I'm starting like a, you know, maybe I'm growing, I'm growing up, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm starting to pay more attention to these things. Yeah. And so I think I'll become a lot more spiritual as time goes on, mm-hmm. especially since my kids are doing uh, such a great job. With their with their mother about um, Catholic, I, I think I wasn't raised Catholic. Yeah. Um, but my kids are being raised Catholic because because of their mother, and it's great, and they're doing a great job. Yeah. Um, but so with with them doing that good of a job, at, you know their beliefs and following their their Catholic beliefs and stuff, it makes me want to be more spiritual and stuff yeah. with them. So um, I make sure encourage it. I make sure they do their prayers. I make sure that they they follow along with with. Um, Giving up what they need to give up for Lent, and I encourage, yeah. I encourage my son. You know, you you gave this up for Lent. Make sure you stay on that track. That's so, awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm, they're yeah. they're doing good for me because I'm I'm getting there. Yeah. But it, it, religion's hard for me to talk about, and and um, feelings and emotions are very hard for me to talk about. Yeah. Like in, in my family, like on my side of the family, like we don't really say I love you. Like oh, that's yeah. not something that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt Cassie tries to do a. Uh, every once in a while, she'll throw it in there just to let me know. She's like, "All right, I love you," and then I'm like, oh, man, it's it's hard because I wasn't raised I like know what that, you, mean, you know. Yeah. And, I know exactly what you mean, and she knows it too. But she's just she's trying to get me used to hearing it. I think, yeah, because um, she knows where I came from. She knows we all came from that that same um, cut of cloth, and in in our family, we we didn't say that to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we were never really held, and that's one of the reasons why I love my grandfather so much growing up is because he was one of the only people to to call me over. Hey, come here, come sit by me for a little bit. And yeah. He he just hold me as and I was a little boy. He just just hold me next to him, yeah. and we'd watch TV. And I didn't even care. We were watching some old war show, and uh, he just like he gave me love, you know. Yeah. And I didn't get that that much from anywhere because of my family. We do we don't really do that. It was like 
when um, me and my wife first were, were getting real serious, um, she would like like try to hold on to me and do these things and stuff and show me this affection. And I wasn't really comfortable with it because I wasn't used to getting hugs like yeah, that growing yeah, up. Yeah, you know, it's weird. And so there's like issues where I'm not very open to releasing with people. Yeah. And it's not because I'm afraid. I don't think I'm afraid to talk about yeah, it. It's not comfortable. It's something you've never done. I think I've got like an, like, it's almost like I have like an automatic block on it. Yeah. Like it automatically doesn't come out of me. And so I just don't talk about it. But I'm, I'm not, I don't have any problems with showing vulnerability. Uh, I don't have any problems with showing, if like me, me talking to people, having conversations with people, you'll probably see, um, a more, I, I, I give like very like delicate conversation. Like I'm, I'm not like, most of my friends from the reservation, they're, they're pretty tough dudes. Yeah. Like, the the way they talk is tough. The way they, they, they dress is tough. They're kind of, like, rough, you know? They, yeah. they, grow, they grow up in the mountains, yeah. cutting trees and, and hunting. And, and they're just, like, they're, they put off a tougher persona than I do. Uh, I've always been kind of like, um, I've always been, how would you say, like a gentle person, I guess. Uh-huh. I, I've always had like that, that part of me that's real gentle. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of like showing that, that gentle side and showing people I can be vulnerable, expressing my emotions. But it's a weird, it's a weird thing. The way I'm wired is, is kind of, it's kind of like weird. You know? Yeah. I don't really know how I was going with all of it, but, um, it's just like, we're talking about like religion and all this stuff like yeah. that. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird subject for me. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't really like the word religion. You know, I rather it's relationship. Relationship with God. What does God mean to you? Or who? Or who? Who is God to you? Right. You know? Right. And I, I. I talk to God all the time. I. And from the moment every, every day, as soon as I wake up, I just say thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm awake, and I just start thanking God. Like I train my. I've been doing it for years now. Just thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of that. And then that's what keeps me positive. It's just. Thanking, being in gratitude of of, of every blessing that comes from that's, God, you know. That's awesome. I, I need yeah. I need to be more. I need to be more like that. I need to be more, like I said, more spiritual. Um, especially with some of the things that I that I seen when I was overseas, man. You yeah. see a whole world over there that's just it's just not in a good place. It's it's not, and I'm very thankful that I was born in the United States. I'm yeah. very thankful I was born on my reservation. Uh, um, because I was born into a pretty good life, yeah. you know, it may have been a rough, a rough road for me, but like, it's not nowhere near as rough as like some of those Afghan kids get, they, they get handed that life and it's, it's hard, man. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of them die pretty young, man. They, they, they're given a gun and told to fight and they, they got to fight and they just, they don't make it very far. Then you got to look at like the type of life that they live. They 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 grow up in these uh, secluded villages with no electricity, mm-hmm. and and it's it's just rough. It's it's a rough place. They have no Walmart. They have no mini mall to go buy the next new Jordans. Like we're all obsessing, yeah. we're obsessing with these new shoes and these new iPhones that come out. And then those people across overseas, man, they're born into a hard hard lifestyle, man, a hard way of living. Yeah, and I, I'm thankful to God. Hey, thank you for placing me here, like in this world. It's it's mm-hmm. really not that bad, you know. You get that perspective. Yeah. Uh, I gotta be more 
like I said, more in tune. But uh, coming up as a new talk, uh, talking about religion. Uh, my, we, what did we start this past week? Lent. Yeah. You're not Catholic, so you didn't have to. Were I used you, to be Catholic. I was baptized. Catholic? My, my, my mom is Catholic. I think, well, my dad, he's, he's more into the Apache culture. That's kind of his, but he was kind of Catholic too. Cause they got married in the Catholic church. So yeah. I guess you could say they're Catholic, but I was, I was raised Catholic all the way until I was 15 and, um, Brian Tenorio, Tenorio was the one that introduced me. Uh, he brought, he took me to the to the uh, Carrizo Christian Fellowship and it was just so amazing to me. I loved it and that's where that's where I started opening up my spirit to, you know, new stuff, you know, and it's just it's a long story after that from where I am today, but yeah. So I, I wouldn't I don't even like calling myself a religion. I don't want to recall myself a religion nowadays. Yeah. I don't like saying I'm a Christian. I'd just rather say, you know, I have a relationship with God. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's it. It was hard um, telling people too. Like so, um, when I was when I was in Afghanistan the first time, a lot of people started talking about religion and stuff, and they're like, yeah. "Why are you? Why do you claim the Christian lifestyle uh-huh. or the the Christian belief and stuff?" And I was like, "Well, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand the question. Like, there's there was a church on my reservation, and I went to it, and like, like with my grandfather. Yeah, and they're like, "No, like, didn't the, how did Apaches take?" Uh, Christianity or Catholicism they and, killed our people in the name of Christianity and, uh, in the history yeah, yeah. and that, that's what they were yeah. bringing up and I was like dude I, that's a good story so I read up on it and then um, come to find out uh, there was a story that I read about uh, one of them and this is and this is like one of them but like one of the main stories I read was Geronimo read a whole number of books when he was in prison of, uh-huh. on religions because um, he was he was saying to I think it was like a journalist or someone that um, he said that their fathers didn't explain to them like what was in the afterlife. Yeah. He said um, the creation story was always explained to them. They knew the creation story inside and out. But he said that um, he's like our fathers never our fa- our fathers never explained to us what the afterlife was. And he said that he knew something was out there. Yeah. And so he was trying to find something that gave him answers to what was in the afterlife. And I guess he came across Christianity, and he explained to that journalist that. Um, Christianity was in his mind like probably made you like the best person uh-huh. you know that's the best way he, I could say is or describe it I might be butchering it a little bit uh-huh. but he was saying like with this religion like it just asks you to be a really good person you just it just wants you to be good to people really yeah and he, he agreed with he agreed with that he liked that yeah. and so he said I think that I support Christianity and heaven um, as part of the afterlife. Story. That's crazy because I know some Christians that would disagree with that whole statement. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's, what, that's some... what makes it so divided. Because some Christians will say, "To order to you're not nobody's a good person. Everybody's a sinner, and everybody deserves to go to hell. It's only that we're saved by Jesus Christ that we're saved." That's what a lot, like, a lot of Christianity teaches too. Like, if oh, wow. you can you can have two Christians in the room, and they there is always something that they won't agree upon. Yeah, you know, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary to talk that's about. That's why I don't like religion. Yeah, it's scary you to know? talk about. But um, what I was just saying is like, um, I I suppose he was searching like for the best. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's good. That's great. alternative to look for. Mm-hmm. And I guess out of all like the religions he read about, yeah, he just agreed with that one the most. Yeah, because it made you want to be like the best person. Yeah, and so he was like, I recommend this book to people and that. I don't know, like, you can't really trust everything that you read like that. Mm-hmm. 
because for us, like us Apaches, we weren't writing all of this stuff. Mm. We weren't. So all the stuff that we're reading about the past is, you know, that, that whole cliche thing that everyone throws at you all the time. They're like, well, who writes the books? <laughs> the winners wrote the book. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. hate hearing that, but like, that's kind of yeah. like this case right here, like what we're talking about. Uh, um, you have to be aware that like not not everything that we're reading that I that I'm reading is going to be true. Uh-huh. It's it's written by other people. Like we didn't write books, you know. Yep. We were more based on um, oral tradition and mm-hmm. pat- passing our our ways off like that. Have you ever heard the creation story that Freddie Kidd yes, talks? Yes, dude. I'm probably not about not not from him, but it's I love, on YouTube. I love our. Creation you can look story, it up on dude. YouTube. If any Apaches out there, if you haven't heard the creation story by Freddie Kidd it's on YouTube. I'm gonna watch it's it. Too. I'm gonna watch it again. It's dude. amazing. I, I you know I think our he story, tells it so so amazing and it's awesome, dude. I think our story is so freaking incredible. Like yeah. I always think to myself, like how could you make this up? It has to be true. Yeah, yeah. you can't come up with this like yeah. maybe somebody could but you'd have to, i don't know maybe it's possible i just i love it i love our creation story and all that stuff man it's makes me proud to grow yeah. up on the mescalero apache reservation yeah. and i always been a, bit, a little bit conflicted because so my my dad is spanish but my mom's apache i grew up on the reservation and stuff and so growing up like if i was ever like better or if i ever did anything better like sports wise or whatever a lot of the times it Growing from when I was young, uh-huh. um, people knew that about me, and they they call me half blood, or they would oh, call yeah. me like "get out of here, white boy," and I'm like <laughs> not even white. Or they I get, went through the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's it's rough, man. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember, um, because growing up from when I was in Head Start, all the way up to fourth grade, I was in Mescalero schools. Uh-huh. I went to Rodoso for a year. I tried Tolerosa for a year, and or two years, and after. That I went back to Mescalero all the way up until 10th grade. I went to Tularosa for another year. I went back to Mescalero. I did pretty much all my time in Mescalero, right? Yeah. And I ended up graduating from Mescalero. Um, that's just where I was meant to be. But when we were listening to like the creation story and stuff like that, man, it was it was always so inspiring to me. I loved our story. And I always was so proud to yeah. just be a part of that, be a part of this culture, be a part of this land. And, yep. and I loved it. But um, like when I was a little boy and people were like, you know, calling me like half blood or mm-hmm. just like making it a point to say that I wasn't full blooded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what was what was hard to even even our Apache teacher when I was in the second grade. I don't, I don't remember who it was. She was um, she was pointing out how cool it was. That everybody was who she was pointing out how cool it was of who was one hundred percent Apache full blooded, uh-huh. and it is an awesome thing. In it the was, class, or in, she in, was talking about it in, in class. Like she yeah. was like, "So who here knows that they're one hundred percent or they're full blooded?" And yeah. there was a couple kids raise their hand and stuff, and I knew I wasn't. I didn't raise yeah. my hand and stuff. And she was talking about being full blooded one time, and I remember that so clearly because i remember how i felt afterwards i remember walking out of that class a little boy uh, um i don't remember exactly it was like first grade or second grade but i remember leaving that class like just feeling bad like like feeling like i could never be apache you know like i could never blooded. be full-blooded yeah. and it just like it hit me hard as a little boy uh-huh. and i couldn't process those feelings because i wasn't like mature enough you know now i'm comfortable with everything now yeah. now it doesn't bother i'm just i uh, i grew up on the reservation like but um, back then, it was hard to deal with. Yeah, it, it I, was, I know exactly what you mean. It was it, it hurt when people uh-huh. would like just attack me for not, 
And it wasn't my fault. <laughs> right? There's yeah. nothing you could do about it, <laughs> so, you know? I didn't choose that. Yeah. I, would, I would have chosen full blood every time. Like, well, maybe you did chose it, you know. I'm just kidding. We're going back. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I know exactly what you That was mean, a good punch. Yeah, that was yeah, a good yeah. little jab, like a reminder. Maybe yeah. I believe you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so grow, growing up dealing with that stuff, it was, it, was, mm-hmm. it was hard. So if you have any any children out there, if if anyone out there who's not full-blooded, like don't, like if there's anyone listening that's ever bullied anyone for not being, don't do it to children. Like, yeah. let's, let's treat our kids good. Let's make all of our kids feel good. Let's make everyone feel proud to be a part of the community that they're in because there's nothing worse than being being felt or mm-hmm. being made in front of or feeling like an outsider, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's a, it was a tough subject for me. Bro. And love people for who they are, you know? And now and now that I grew up, there was something I read another time when I was mm-hmm. in the Army. I, I was reading another book about um, the Apache people. I read books about our people when I was there just because I had time. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember reading a story about one of the biggest wars that we'd gone through was over... Um, at the time, a boy that was kidnapped, he was a little Mexican boy, but he was raised up as an Apache. Uh-huh. And I guess um, the boy's family wanted him back, so they, the Apaches fought a war um, over this, this, this person, right? Uh-huh. And I was, at first, when I first started reading this, I was like, why did they go to war over this person? Why didn't they just give him back or kill him? But, you know, as I kept going, I realized, well, after kidnapping this little Mexican boy, they made him a part of their own. Yeah. And um, they raised him as one of their own. So in their eyes, he was Apache, yeah. regardless of him being full-blooded Mexican. That didn't matter to them. He was living that life. And so whenever his family wanted to get him back and this war started, they were, they literally were like willing to sacrifice soldiers for this person because they were like, nope, you can't have him back. He's Apache now. Uh-huh. And so there, in there, in the Apache's mind, he was living that lifestyle, so he was Apache. And when I was there overseas, I was like, man, I wish somebody told me this story when I was a little boy. Like, uh-huh. And I was being made fun of for not being full-blooded or whatever. Yeah. It didn't happen all the time. I'm not saying like I was bullied all the time, but there are a few times um, I'd look back on that I felt bad for not being full-blooded. But I wish I read that story. And it, it kind of made me, it kind of hit home a little bit when I read that. I was like, you know what, that's... I did. I did grow up on the res. I did live yeah. the life, and you know, I spent a lot, the majority of my childhood in Pena, like yeah. um, walking to my neighbor's house, walking out of this Terra Blake. I used to walk to her house in the yeah. snow because when I was a kid, we get snowed in so bad. We had big winters back uh-huh. then, um, and we couldn't leave. Everything was shut down. We had, we had feet of snow, and so I had to be walking to her house to borrow VHS movies making sure I rewind them before I give them back. And <laughs> that's what we did. We walked around and I was like thinking, you know, I lived that life. You know, I grew up in, I lived in all the, all the neighborhoods. I lived in Seaside. And, oh, I spent a lot of time in, um, in A-Side too with my late grandma, Mary. Yeah. Um, that's who my, my middle, my youngest daughter, her middle name, that's where that came from, Mary. Uh-huh. Um, she took a lot of care of me when I was a little boy. Uh, yeah, I stayed a, lot, a few summers in A-Side. And, you know, just lived in flats, head springs. Like, I feel pretty res. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but, yeah, so, I don't know where I was going with that. It's fun It's fun having these um these podcasts where we, or this is the first time we did it, where we just, like, just talked about nonsense, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's going to do very well, but I definitely enjoyed making it. I think it. this will be one of the, well, I think it's going to go good. Which it, one of the be- better ones? Because we got, well, maybe we got the good sound now, so... Maybe it's I gonna it. maybe it's gonna heat heat people up, or maybe it's gonna yeah. inspire people. Or 
Um, biggest thing that biggest thing I want to take away from this is that our freaking Mescalero boys and girls district champs. Yep, congratulations! I am That's awesome. extremely proud and happy for them. And man, I want I want them to just be state champions so freaking yeah, bad. That would be awesome. And uh, number two, let's treat our children well. We yes. um, the children that were brought into this world didn't ask to be here. They don't owe you anything. You owe them the world. You know, let's treat our children right. Yeah. Um, let's let's love our children and let's just be good to one another. Yeah. I'm done. You done? Yeah. And then anybody that wants to come on here and tell your story, you know, uh, riding on the wall podcast. It, the, tell them about the name a little bit. Why did you pick? Why did why did uh, the name come about? Oh yeah yeah yeah. So before we wrap this up, um, I wanted to incorporate something that kind of was related to the fact that cavemen used to write on the wall. We used to uh, cavemen used to write. We used to have these pictures in caves of, um, I don't know, some dude catching a a big. Kill, They're basically telling a story. Telling their story. Yeah, you know, writing the history. And I was like, what What can we do to relate that? Mm-hmm. Now we're modern. Now we have walls. And now, yeah. you know, so I was like, why, why don't we just do writing on the wall to kind of rep, to, to kind of um, symbolize that old caveman style of writing on the wall, you yeah. know, and, and that's how we got the name. So here we are telling our stories and we want to hear your story. So positive story or negative, it don't matter. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so the next, so the next, um, yeah. Hundred years from now, somebody crawls into our cave and sees our stories that were written on the wall. Here we go. Yep. All right. That's. I don't know. I thought it was pretty it's, clever. It might not yeah, be. It's brilliant. <laughs> Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. Get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard, and if anything, inspire our community.